0: This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature arthouse movie-going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant late-night film series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's outdoor movie series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one. So grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington and opens seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema.
1: They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie?
2: Look at me, Damien! It's all for you!
0: What have you done to it?
1: What have you done to its eyes? It's alive! It's alive! It's It's alive!
0: How's it? I'm Alex McCauley.
1: I'm Max Fosberg.
0: And I'm Grant Colombini. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding movies. Welcome in, guys and ghouls, to part three of our Horathon we've reached the midway point in perhaps our most personal decade thus far in our exploration of scary movies that span the last 50 years. Last week, you guys admitted your sanity was teetering on edge a bit. So I'm curious, have we now just taken the plunge into madness?
1: Uh, madness as in, like, these movies are not very good. <laughs> madness. <laughs> the 90s is a tough, tough decade to do. A lot of... Disappointing films, I felt uh, going through the the movies. No,
2: absolutely, it was a very odd decade as I'm watching all these movies through. Like in the, with the 70s and 80s, there's a little bit of progression. There's a little bit of you know, kind of they fit that genre. In the 90s, is just kind of like let's do any movie we can and see if we can't put the horror tag on it somehow. So I feel like a lot of these movies that I wanted to watch ended up being loose fits, and then probably not going to bring them up at all.
0: I feel yeah, I. I... Echo those sentiments exactly. Um, well, there's fresh meat in the studio, though, for this episode, so hopefully she can bring a level of soundness back to our collective mindset. Uh, we're thrilled to be joined by someone who herself was raised on Walkmans, Game Boys, Bratstalls, dolls, Pogs, boy bands and frosted tips, grunge fashion and excessive piercings, fanny packs, Snick at Night, Beanie Babies, and all other things that encapsulated the 1990s. Dating back to the time of being editor of her high school newspaper, she's always shown a critical eye for the journalistic approach. She's since become a published columnist whose reviews of local stage productions have been featured in Tacoma Weekly, and before COVID-19 shut down our state, was primed to continue contributing to other publications in the surrounding area. This past spring, she made the virtual walk up to the podium and accepted her diploma for a bachelor's degree in communications with an emphasis on professional media an avid cinephile, and blood of my blood, Rachel McCauley. Welcome to the show.
3: Hi. Thank you so much. I think I actually was raised by a Beanie Baby and a doll, so thank you for mentioning that. Those are my parents. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, way to bury the lead. How long have you known each other now, Rachel? <laughs> uh, you know, I think I'm going on... 28 years knowing you. There we go. Pretty sure. Yeah, Um, pretty sure.
0: But no, in all seriousness, it's great to have you here. Um, I think you and I alone could probably fill an entire podcast with our love for the month of October and how much our family has regarded this time of year as our favorite. But what I'm most interested in is to hear how Max and Grant's upbringing compares to our own. So, seeing as how this is the first decade that we've covered that we were all alive for, I want to get some highlights and maybe some of your guys' earliest Halloween memories.
1: Well, it's interesting. Halloween was, was definitely a huge thing in our house. Uh, decorations and costumes, you know, parents always going out of their way to to put extra love into homemade stuff. For movies, on the movies side, a lot of these 90 movies, I never really saw until I was much older. I was raised more on like the black and white, you know, Universal Monster collection. And so during the 90s, that's the horror I was coming up with. Uh yeah, that's that's kind of my situation. Yeah,
2: I'm kind of in the same boat. For Halloween, um, we I more have had like a uh, a Disney Halloween. My mom was an art teacher, so it's kind of like the fun de- decorations. Like we never really got into the horror stuff. Like Max said, I don't really get into actually scary movies until much later in my life. I'd think, like, my Halloween movies would be, like, Ghostbusters and, like, The Munsters and Adam's Family and that kind of stuff, you know, a little more family-friendly. Well, but, and that's probably good that we weren't being shown rated our movies at, like, yeah. seven and eight. And no, exactly, exactly. Um, one thing I do remember, and I'm sure we're going to touch on this later on, is, uh, like, I was always fascinated with kids my age that were into those scary movies. And, like, this, the costumes they'd wear for Halloween, I'd always just be like what the hell is that? Like, the screen mask that had, like, the hand pump with the blood coming oh, down the face yeah. and stuff. Like, that was always, like, the coolest thing. So, it was always, like, an intrigue of mine. And then when I got older, I was like, alright, I'm gonna start watching these movies.
3: I swear I can smell what that hand-pumped screen blood smells like now. I can smell what the rubber handball smells like. I can smell the inside, the, like, oh, yeah. the, like, cloth that's on the side of it that's kind of weirdly sparkly. And you're like, oh, that wasn't sparkly the <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, we also kind of probably grew up on the same kind of like the Disney Halloween sort of stuff. I mean, I was almost wanted to just put Hocus Pocus three times on my top three. Yeah, right. on this, which I'm sure, I mean, I think there's there should be some space to talk about Hocus Pocus later for just what a. Uh, it's there's so definitely some
1: scary parts. It,
3: and it's just, it's honestly, so just rewatched it. It's a really good movie. <laughs> the like, three it's main good. characters are hard to look at, yeah, at I know. sometimes.
1: If we're going to talk about Hocus Pocus, then... Halloween Town might have to be in there, too, I mean, right?
3: I think that it's just... They're so atmospheric to what we actually kind of grew up looking at. Like, the decorations are what the decorations on our house looked like. And that's, I think... It's more of a visual sensory Halloween experience than it has to do with movies for me. I feel like I remember, like, the specific decorations that we had when we were younger. I remember... Who on our neighborhood street would go all out We had somebody directly across the street from us That you know kind of a bizarre lady The other 11 months of the year but come Halloween time Lori mm-hmm. was the best person to have on your street <laughs> 100% like, Just like built like a, a whole new entry To her house around the front of her house That was like a mini haunted house that you had to walk through To get candy and stuff and just insane That's stuff That's where so. I like found out about dry ice I'm pretty sure Yeah All, all those kinds oh, of you know, yeah.
0: Extra you know the next level kind of decorations And you're like
3: do. I know Lori smokes cigarettes It's just a bunch of smoke <laughs> Like, I'm not so sure <laughs> what's going on here. On <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it was definitely more of, like, a sensory thing and just Halloween memories. As far as movies go, though, we spent so much time at Hollywood Video as children that I think I kind of showed myself some of the movies that I now look back and always want to rewatch in Halloween. Like, I definitely, probably by third grade, made myself see Poltergeist by, like, eight times or something. So, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, no, not, not so much uh, movie tie, but just to tie in with, like, costumes and stuff. I was, like, Wolverine, and I was, you know, comic book people. But A then big also, alien
3: with huge eyes. Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> just kind of cheesy, classic stuff. But then also I can remember some pictures of, like, you just being a devil and me having a, a terrible, like, skull mask. That and was so- a conscious
3: choice. I always wanted to have a classic Halloween. I would either be a witch, a devil, um, a witch again, a devil again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, so it was great dressing up. It's why we still do it. It's it's a ton of fun. Um, but so, yeah, like I teased in the intro, life was fun in the 90s. Life was good in the 90s. Uh, so good, in fact, that it appears audiences didn't particularly need the counterbalance in their lives that horror films could provide in a time of stress or disarray. When you look back at the first half of this decade... People just weren't trying to escape their own realities, something I'm sure we're all very envious of right now as we record this in 2020. Um, you'll find that horror films were slipping into a pretty sad state of existence. The excitement and enjoyment that franchises provided in the 80s had worn out its appeal, and the lack of ingenuity resulted in a clear decrease when it came to production values. As studios tried to, uh, as studios scrambled to try and save as much money as possible while still releasing films that could appealed to the fleeting fans of horror it wasn't until later in this decade when a certain masked crank caller picked up a cell phone and resuscitated life into scary movies forever then general audiences started to revisit this genre that we all love so much so fast forward to the end of the decade and scream queens were back the found footage subgenre was at its apex and the overwhelming influence of japanese horror had begun so as messy as these 10 years were at times, I'm very excited to see what the four of us land on in terms of this decade's crowning achievements. Before we get into our overall reactions and impressions of the horror genre from this time, Rach, I'm going to put you on the spot as our guest. And without spoiling any of your picks, if you could just give us your Mount Rushmore of Scream Queens from the 90s.
3: Oh, all right. So I have to say that I took this really literally. And I think that uh, the 90s, as much as we didn't see a lot of actually great movies, a lot of good screamers. Really, like, top (laughs) of the line women who could just, like, belt out a scream. And they were asked to. And they were asked to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, this is something when I was looking at kind of, like, people that I might consider for this. uh, And I'll touch on this more later for sure. But a lot of the women, like, of the kind of, like, 90s horror movies and stuff, kind of the more poppy ones, were actually all pretty good Actresses, and I can't really say that much about the men in there. Like, you know, for every Sarah Michelle Geller, who's actually, I think, a great actress, there's a Ryan Philippi who it's like, oh, you didn't, we didn't see much for her. Or after Freddie that. Prince. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who it was like, oh, cool, you got a guest starring role in 24, 15 years later. And that's like, <laughs> you peaked, you peaked kind of again. I don't know. um So I have the to Freddy-sans. say. Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> the Renaissance. <laughs> um So, I have to say, my first one, uh mostly because, uh, and Alex already knows this about me, I am a diehard Buffy fan. Sarah Michelle Geller, because she's got, I know what she did last summer, where she's got really, really memorable extensions that are so terrible. <laughs> and like, I was maybe eight when I saw that movie for the first time, and I was like, I can't wait for there to be a scene where she cuts her hair off because it's such fake hair that I'm looking at right now. Like, I knew it was coming the whole time. Um, and then that leads her. She was already doing Buffy by the time that happened. So I just think, as far as like a horror situation, a scream queen situation, um, and she's got some good screams when she's in the uh, scene where it's like the talent show thing or whatever. And I think when she's like watching someone get murdered or she gets murdered or something that she's like up on the balcony. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever that is, she's got some great screams. Um, Nev Campbell doesn't really do a lot of screaming per se, but just because I think that if in the hands of a less talented actress, Scream goes nowhere. So I think that Nev Campbell's she Might super not become important. a franchise. Yeah, that. that I think she really like people like Sydney Prescott. Like as much as she could be like a very whiny sort of like, ooh, woe is me character. I think people like her and I think it's because of Nev Campbell. Um and so maybe she's credited for completely reinvigoring the genre on her own. Um, and then Jennifer Love Hewitt, because I think she truly is the best screamer of the 90s. She's just like, can't stop screaming. Like every other line, it's like, you're okay. You're okay right now. Um, and then my personal favorite scream comes from, uh, Cheryl Lee in Firewalk With Me. So I have to throw it to her because she's just got maybe the most terrifying scream of all time. So I'm 100% and I won't that. say too much more about that. Cause I know you're going to want to talk yeah. about it.
0: <laughs> no, I, I love it. I think that's great. Um, I think we should commission a renovation. ASAP. i'll take sarah michelle geller over george washington any day. <laughs> um, so per usual i'm interested now in the trends and the overall vibes i know we already kind of touched on how bizarre this uh, decade was but as we went back and analyzed the films what what'd you get max uh
1: it, definitely a rise of international horror uh which is cool to see you know you've got uh gdt coming out of mexico or the renew and the grudge coming out of Japan, um, so that was interesting to see. Also, like some some uh, some movies that wanted to reach back to like the classic horror uh, characters: uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, The Mummy, even in a bit. Um, so yeah, just kind of an interesting overall experience of of watching these flicks.
2: Yeah. Going through the years, I feel like as I kind of like briefly mentioned at the beginning, um, I feel like there's multiple genres that they just tried fitting the horror tag on. And so there's some that don't really fit some that do some that are more than others. Uh, But it's just a very, wide array of different movies and the one thing i noticed with my list is my honorable mentions are like from the first three years and then all my top threes are from like the last three years and then maybe some like in the right in the middle that i liked but it's like i think it just got progressively as we got closer and closer to the 2000s we started seeing more of like actual horror rather than just the like oh let's make this action movie kind of scary or this drama let's add a little more tension and be like it's horror but it's like not really yeah, scary
3: the mummy's not a horror movie it's an action movie emo chap as a character is scary sure. like that yeah. actually like when his mouth opens scared the shit out of me oh yeah but as a kid you know now i'm kind of like mm, let's well, see could be better but um <laughs> but but yeah it's like it's an action movie Hundred yeah. percent. Uh
0: no, I've, I've found the exact same pattern in mine as well. Where like front half is pretty loaded and then the back half is pretty loaded, but in the middle, not not a lot going on. They
3: were waiting for scream.
0: They were wait they needed scream. They needed <laughs> scream. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add, Rach?
3: Mm, I'm gonna be talking so much. I'm okay right now. Okay. okay. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> I'll speak my vocal in. cords. Alright, yeah, let's
0: dive in. Let's uh start in the year nineteen ninety. Great
3: year, if you ask me. So yeah I any honorable mentions?
1: I have one honorable mention
0: or Hall of Famers.
3: I've got my I've got an
0: honorable mention in there. Honorable mention as well. I have one as well, guys. Okay, <laughs> Max, how about you start?
1: Well, it's the Stephen King's It. It's mine uh, as well. Yeah. Now, technically, it, w- it was a mini series on TV, but you know what? I own this on DVD. It's all one movie. You can watch it in one sitting. Um, yeah, is that is That's that yours, Rachel? Yeah.
0: It is not mine. It's
2: great, so I have a different one to talk
1: about. Well, we'll we'll come back to it if we yeah. need to. Yeah, it so, uh, sounds
0: like well, it'll probably make its way up onto the board. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um, staying on the theme of Stephen King, mine is uh, the James Conn, Kathy Bates Misery.
3: You know, I I rewatched that. Thinking about this because I wasn't sure if again like I could call it a horror movie or not. Right.
2: The, it, to me, the only reason I put it in there is like put yourself in James
0: Kahn's shoes, and
2: it's, it's, it's the, terrifying. It's the scariest yeah. thing that
3: could ever happen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: um
0: Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because Stephen King was when the four of us started talking about this episode, uh, like the first name that got brought up is like, what do we do with his work from this decade? Yeah. Um, and we all kind of said that there'd be one that you know would probably count, and so I'm happy that it's it. Um, just kind of to go through the rest of this decade though, or the rest of this year, excuse me. Uh, Um, the exorcist three comes out, not the best movie, but it has one of the best jump scares of all time in it.
3: I've actually never seen this before, but I know that there's a terrible scene in it. That's just like very, very scary. And so, um, Please speak in Veiled References. Because <laughs> I want to rewatch watch it. I want to watch it for the first time right. this year because I've just heard a lot about it before. Uh, a
0: movie that I watched last night, actually, Flatliners, also comes out. Mm. Joel Schumacher movie yeah. with a star-studded cast. It's another one of those where it's a sci-fi, uh, not so much sci-fi, but almost just like a drama with some horror elements yeah. thrown into it. They did a remake not not too recently.
2: I think I and believe. I, they, so, yeah. And I yeah. think
0: they, they even
2: purposely tried to make it more horror than the action thrill ride that the mm-hmm. first one kinda was. I
3: think Ellen Page was in that. Oh, I think, Maybe.
0: I think that sounds about
2: right.
3: Yeah. It's an Ellen Page vehicle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then excuse me, I actually have a second honorable mention. This was one I went back and added it this morning. I I struggled with it a lot, but it's Jacob's ladder. Um Ooh. Jacob's Ladder, extremely psychological. It's got some terrifying images in it, though. Um, basically, Tim Robbins is struggling from PTSD after coming back from Vietnam. Um, so we'll see if we get back to that one.
3: I knew that was going to be somewhere in something you mentioned. I didn't know if it was even going to be in your Hall of Fame or not, because I know that's a that's a big one for you. It, it
0: is. Um, I also had Misery highlighted here. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, a Tom Savini kind of reimagination of the Romero uh tale comes out, and then a guy who I know we're going to talk about a lot on this episode, Clive Barker, makes Nightbreed, which is a pretty cool movie that I watched. Um, and then, yeah, you had Tremors, which is, a, again, like, not a scary movie, but it's a monster movie with some yeah. good jump scares in it. Just a lot a lot of weird stuff like that happening uh, this, dec- er, this year. So, on to 1991. Honorable mentions, or Hall of Fames?
1: 91, I have an honorable mention.
3: I have an honorable mention as well. I have um, a caveat to calling something something that's in 1991. Okay. So I'll just let you guys go ahead. And see how right. this Fits in.
0: <laughs> what's what's what are the honorable mentions from you guys? Uh, silence. Uh, that's uh, of that's the mine lamps. as well. And that's
3: mine as well. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. So we're gonna talk about the two-hour-long Criminal Minds episode, <laughs> which is Silence of the Lambs. Uh, and I'm sure, just like it, since it's on a couple of you guys' lists, we'll be able to come back and go in depth onto that. Um, I didn't have anything from this year, but I did have Cape Fear highlighted another movie that's not a a horror film, but if Robert De Niro is as that character is stalking you, it's pretty scary. It's
3: pretty scary. If Robert De Niro is biting your cheek off, it's pretty scary. (laughs) That's pretty gnarly. If you're ever in a conversation with someone and they
0: just start hitting themselves,
2: (laughs) that's a little scary.
0: (laughs) Um, okay. So then also in 91, Wes Craven makes people under the stairs, which is us right
3: now. Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, we're down. We're down in the
0: cave. Um, so yeah, that's again about it for this decade. Um, uh, yeah. or for this year. My goodness. Okay, on to 1992.
1: Honorable mention. We're cooking. Nothing for me.
3: Um. Yeah, I got nothing.
0: Are you working at a hardware store,
1: Max? No, uh, I'm working at a, in a castle in uh, Transylvania. Uh, the honorable mention is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Gotcha, gotcha. And which, which, interestingly enough, I, I went back and rewatched for this episode, but not for the piano, piano episode. <laughs> yeah, and Isn't that
3: Francis Ford Coppola directed that. It Francis is. Ford That's Coppola. Bizarre.
1: It's 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 weird. It's 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 actually a very traditional horror like victorian movie and if you just ignore keanu in it it's pretty dang good
0: well i think what we said going back to our keanu episode is that it's probably the best film that he was ever involved with and that goes to gary oldman's performance and francis ford coppola's directing and also like you're saying the sets the victorian vibe to it um it's a costume drama turned horror movie turned love story Mm -hmm. uh it's a very good movie uh, I was thinking that Army of Darkness might slip in for you. That's but one movie, too fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. I'll be eating crow soon. <laughs> <laughs> I uh,
0: another movie of mine that I have just highlighted here. It's not an honorable mention or anything like that, but that it was just too fun to categorize as a horror film. It's Peter Jackson's directorial debut, Dead Alive. I I almost made my honorable mention. List. AKA Brain Dead. Yeah. Um, this like I'd never seen it before watching it for this podcast, and the uh, Sumerian rat monkey. Dude. Oh my god. (laughs) Like, the coolest, some of the coolest early creature effects. It's no wonder that Peter Jackson goes on to do the things that he's done.
2: At the time, it was pretty groundbreaking for the CGI, the the monsterness, the practical effects they used. It was like, it blew people away, and that's what got him his later movies, and then
0: obviously Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, And then, also in 92, Candyman comes out, Uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer film.
3: Which I did think about just because I'm such a fan, putting that in an honorable mention category. But I was like, I just... There's things that are actually way more worthwhile as far as movies go, because that's just complete camp. But I do, like, kind of want to devote a little bit of time talking about how Joss Whedon choosing to create that character changed things that we're still seeing the ripple effects for today. And I feel like there's... I mean, it's Grant's taking a big old drink right now. I <laughs> uh, will <we send> <laughs> hold my tongue. Just there's just truly like, I mean, there's like classes at universities taught about Buffy and her effect on feminism and women's, you know, roles in films. And especially as a heroine that, you know, yeah, yeah that you can't argue for you sure. Can't, yeah. It just is what it is.
0: Um, and then the last one I have here is another film based on the Stephen King book, sleepwalkers, which has got our girl magic in it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a, not the best Stephen King adaptation, but it's it's fun. Um okay, on to ni- Oh, never mind. Can't leave 1992 just yet. <laughs> 1992 has my first Hall of Famer and it is Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me. <laughs> Now, this is another film that I understand might kind of have, uh, it it does have a caveat to it, because uh, to me, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life, hands down. You've
3: told me that sentence before, I know that about you.
0: And that only works, though, if you've seen season one and season two of the show. And what I mean by that is there's a sense of dread going in to, this is a prequel to the story that's uh, told in the series. And so... It's almost like what I've talked about on The Shining and a couple other films where your second or third time, even like your fourth or fifth, might be your scariest time watching it because you know what's coming. Well, this movie, to me, accomplishes it on the first viewing because you know the story of what happened to Laura Palmer. You know who's killed her. You know about Bob. You've been
3: through two seasons of exposition before you get to this movie. Exactly. And
0: so you can just watch this film with, you know, it's not like... Nothing spoiled for you because you've never seen Laura Palmer alive, and and that's just what was so fascinating about this film. Uh, the first couple, and also too, we've talked about Cronenberg and we've talked about Fincher a little bit, um, and wanting to give them credit even though they've never completely like just dove into the horror genre. There's always a sci-fi element, or something like Seven just has kind of the same criminal minds vibe to it, where it's just a long episode of you know disturbing
3: to, crime thriller, yeah,
0: disturbing crime thriller. This is pure terror, though, that, that Lynch accomplishes in this film. The first act is is pretty fun for just, like, your average moviegoer because there's faces like David Bowie popping up and Chris Isaac and R.I.P. to the GOAT, Harry Dean Stanton. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff, but like like we said, Cheryl Lee, she's on the Mount Rushmore. This film's all about her as Laura Palmer. Lynch liked her so much that in this series, after he just casted, casted her to be dead and wrapped in plastic he's like i need to bring her back as maddie as cousin maddie Mm -hmm. so he loved her obviously enough to then make her the star of this film and it's just awesome there's just it's so 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 scary and it's a movie that deals with some stuff that isn't really touched on you don't make films about incest and pedophilia that involve murder and supernatural forces even
3: teenage drug addiction in the mid-90s to kind of start tackling that 100 percent yeah Sex work.
0: Um, Yeah. There's just... And and like I'm saying, when you know what certain things mean to this universe, there's shots of just, like, a ceiling fan humming away, and it, it sends chills down my spine, because I know what that means. I know that electricity is in the air, and Bob's gonna come crawling through Laura's window... And talk about, you know, just the
3: personification. You're getting spooked right now, aren't you?
0: (laughs) The personification of evil is the Bob character. He's like a Robert De Niro in Cape Fear or something along those lines. And then, yeah, there's just everything. The music is perfect. There's no jump scares in this movie. It's all atmospheric. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I was just going to say the
1: atmosphere in this. It really, a lot like The Shining, pulls you in, grabs hold of you, and doesn't let you go. And it's, it's mesmerizing to watch, um, which makes it very scary as well. Rachel and
0: I drug you to the grand to go see it one night. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: And I think when you say uh, it doesn't let you go, movies like this and The Shining, they actually never let you go. Because that's why even though it's like mentally exhausting as they are to watch, you go back and you watch them again and again more times. Because there's kind of something about it that you can't really figure out. And you're not exactly sure why it's having an effect on you and why it's either bothersome or why it's scary, exactly. But, you know, it kind of just it brings you back to it over and over again. And you try to
2: figure that out with every rewatch, mm-hmm. and you never
3: do. And mm-hmm. so you go
0: back to watching it, and you're like, why?
3: What and is, you're never what is, going is, to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: didn't even... I wanted to rewatch it for this uh, pod, but instead I just watched all the special features on the Criterion disc because it's just one of those movies where I really have to be in a mood to watch it because I know what it's going to do to me. It's really going to affect me for, like... 24 to 48 hours where then that's just all I'm going to be thinking about some of the imagery. Um, it's my favorite scary movie of all time.
3: <laughs> so that's your this is your first that's entry first to the Hall of Fame? Entry. That's
0: our collective first entry okay. into the Hall of Fame. Yes. Okay. Now we can move on to
1: 1993. I have nothing.
3: Uh, besides my birth I've got nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nothing for me either. Nothing for me either. Uh, John Carpenter makes a pretty cool anthology uh story called Body Bags um, Gilmore, where you said he's starting to come up the ranks, makes a pretty interesting quasi-vampire movie called Chronos, Chronos yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool, he has a great, talk about the Criterion Collection, a great trilogy that's, you can get the box set where it's that, it's Pan's Labyrinth and the Devil's Backbone, mm. which are all borderline, you know, they're teetering on horror um hocus pocus shout out to hocus pocus came out the same year as you rachel <laughs> um and then we'd be remiss if we didn't just give leprechaun and jennifer aniston a little bit of love that comes out in 1993 as well what a film what a film
1: what a film first yeah. time i saw
0: that was definitely over at your house max probably. yeah and yeah.
1: that i mean that was definitely that's definitely another iconic character just born, it might be one of the well, there's a couple different ones that are born in the 90s, but Leprechaun's definitely up there
2: yeah. Warwick Davis just
0: shining through
3: <laughs> he
0: really got the corner on that market
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the
3: tiny little corner that it is yeah. yes
0: he did <laughs> um, okay, the year is now
3: 1994 what do we have? nothing for me um, I actually have got a Hall of Famer in uh, 1994 it's Interview with a Vampire
1: so, what do you do? I'm a vampire. <laughs> That's something I haven't heard before. You uh,
0: you mean this literally? I take it? Absolutely. Nice. I was and hoping this would make it up there.
3: I'm a a big big proponent of interviews with vampire not as necessarily a true horror movie. It's definitely I don't know. I mean it could be a journalism movie. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> a, it's really just so good. It's just a really good movie that happens to be about vampires it's like a an epic you know it's bands truly time and time and time it's so <laughs> goes over so many years um tom cruise has never been weirder i feel like there which was, is really saying something which is really saying something because i'm not forgetting eyes wide shut in that <laughs> statement but it's like you've got blonde tom cruise being sexually attracted to brad pitt and also like really vindictive and there's you know at the end where he's just sort of like a weird puddle of himself but I think he does a really good job in it I don't know if that's a widely held opinion that he like kills in that movie but I think that him as Lestat is a really really good performance Um, I think that it does say something that it wasn't probably as successful as it was supposed to be because they, the like official title is like the vampire chronicles interview with a vampire. They wanted to serialize the Anne Rice books and And actually go for it.
0: Leah comes and makes
3: queen of the which And 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 that is so like, let's be, I don't think those movies have anything to do with each other. The stats and character. That's yeah, exactly. Um, But it's weird because uh, as well as I think that movie is made, and I think it's made very, very well, and the cast is great. um, I wish Christian Slater would have gone on to better things because the 90s was really a great time for him. But Neil Jordan, the director, really not like he's got that he's got the crying game, and pretty much nothing else. I was looking back at his filmography, and I would think that somebody who made those two movies would have better films under his belt like nothing not not a great director not successful movies um so i don't know i just think it's a weird kind of flash in the pan interesting movie that scared me probably the first time i watched it there's certain scenes but always interest me more than it scared me
0: when when some of the like when tom cruise or brad pitt um all of a sudden are like in vampire mode some of those scenes are pretty scary
3: absolutely um Oh, Oh, no. Uh, The scene that actually scared me was when um, the guy who introduces um, Brad Pitt to Antonio Banderas, that's not Antonio Banderas, but the other kind of like suave, like Spanish vampire, when he walks on the ceiling of that tunnel or whatever, that I was just kind of like, what? (laughs) What's happening here? That actually that kind of disturbed me because I just didn't understand how they were even doing it.
0: No, and like you said, the cast. Speaking of Antonio, and then also Baby, a little
3: uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. yeah.
0: So sorry, Grant. What were you gonna say? I
3: was just gonna say this is one of the
2: movies. The first time I watched it, yes, everything you guys are saying definitely resonated with me. But from a filmmaking standpoint, the editing in this movie is just fantastic. How you put it, like it's almost like a journalism. Movie, how they cut in between like the interviews and like the Mm -hmm. events and all that kind of stuff. I was just like very well done when it comes to that part. They
3: never let you forget. I think a lot of movies that have kind of because I mean, it is sort of a little bit high concept to say that we're going to go back and forth between an interview in a modern day empty room with Christian Slater, who's a very much of the time trendy 90s actor, and it's really going to make you aware of the time frame that you're in, and then also keep taking you back and forth through not just one time period a long time ago, but a bunch of different ones. And we're telling a story, and it's somehow going to culminate between that story and this story, and they're going to come together. For that to work, it has to be good. It just has to actually be really, really good for that to work.
0: I'm with it. I, I'm happy that it made it up there because it, it's become a total cult cool classic. Um, those characters are all iconic.
3: Friend of the pod, Morgan Shun's very favorite movie. Yes,
1: it's true. This <laughs> yes, is true. Also, without interview, you're, you're. I mean, 20 years later, you're not getting Twilight, right? definitely uh, kind of sets, sets the groundwork for that. But for then the also vampire. you're not getting <laughs> the parody uh, of what we do in the shadows, which no, has ahead. gone on now to be a very successful show as long uh, as long uh, along with being a cult classic. Yeah. On.
2: And even one of those shows too, now that has like different language versions. There's, there's a Spanish entirely different cast version. There is a Russian entirely different cast version. So definitely an inspirational movie.
3: We call those a uh, format format. Programs, That's something go. from the uh, communications program at UW. Thank you very there much. You oh, when yeah. they get recycled over and over again, they're format programs. And, it is. Uh, yeah, It
0: certainly is. Um, okay, so then also in 1994, you guys, there was no other... Nothing yeah, else. nothing for me. Um, in the Mouth of Madness, one of John Carpenter, his third installment, kind of a, his loosely based apocalypse uh, trilogy, which I rewatched again. I own it. It's a pretty, pretty fun movie, but once again, just almost fantasy, more fantasy than anything else, that, that mm-hmm. film. Um, and then you had Wes Craven's new nightmare also come out, which is super meta it lays the groundwork for something that we're going to talk about. I know in two years, <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a really fun one. He brings back the whole cast, Heather, Robert, um, all the major players I should say. And then also a film that, uh, I watched for this podcast that Rachel, our mom has been wanting me to watch forever Wolf with uh, Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer, where he is, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying, where people were kind of going back and forth with uh, the old, uh, like, um, universal, universal monsters, monsters yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so this is a James Spader, too, who's just, like, so oh. creepy. and <laughs> love James Spader. Um, yeah, so Wolf, highly recommend that one. It's a fun movie um, with some pretty decent scares and just really good acting. It's, it's a cool movie.
1: How weird is it in the 90s? You've got Gary Oldman playing Dracula. You've got Robert De Niro playing Frankenstein's monster. And you've got Jack Nicholson playing a werewolf. Yeah.
3: <laughs> James Spader has the uh, M. Night Shyamalan fa- uh, faces. Big plot twist. So handsome and then so unattractive in his <laughs> later years. He really just flipped the script on all of
0: us. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's a good call. Um, okay, so then on to 1995. Anything?
1: No, nothing for me. Uh,
3: nothing.
1: Nothing. Nothing for me. This
0: goes into what we're talking about. The, the first half of the or the first yeah. couple of years in the decade, really strong. We're waiting for and this then, next year. Yeah, and now, um, well, okay, so Demon Knight, which is like a Tales from the Crypt movie, uh, comes out in 1995, which um, is pretty fun. I think it's on HBO Max right now. Insane cast, like Billy Zane, Jada Pickett-Smith, just like a bunch of people before they were stars, and they're in this, like, it's uh, it's kind of like it's set almost like a film like um legion or the mist or something like that where it's a bunch of people trapped in one place with like this apocalyptic shit happening outside um and then yeah it's just it's always fun to see the crypt keeper like that's something that i would have so been into tales from the crypt if i was like a teenager in the 90s instead of you know just a little adolescent
3: i think billy zane was actually only a star during that time i don't know if that was before i think he had about five years where he was famous no <laughs> and and, but that's what i'm saying almost away. like what you're saying
0: a flash in the pan uh that was totally his yeah. his time yeah
3: he and he ended what should have been a cameo like oh you're a celebrity in zoolander and then it was like <laughs> oh no that's your last role yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's
0: all you've done <laughs> um, that end. in the Phantom. <laughs> Don't forget
3: the phantom. Oh, Titanic. Come on. Come oh, on. Okay, okay. So
0: he had he had his he had
3: his uh, I'm saying, 15 it's, minutes. It's over yeah. by 2001
0: yeah. Um okay, and then just a, another uh kind of weird movie that's not horror, but I think that it deserves mentioning is Species comes out this year. <laughs> species is just, just bizarre. Strange. Yeah, so strange. Um and then also Carpenter does Village of the Dam. So Carpenter wasn't going to just, you know, go out in the 80s. He was still pumping out some pretty, pretty high quality stuff here in the 90s as well. Okay, it's time to get busy. On to 1996.
1: I have a top three.
0: Same. I have two top threes Ooh. and an honorable mention. Ooh, okay, let me get my pen out. I have an honorable mention and it's only because I know you guys. It's going to be covered territory. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so how about I just do this? I'll go through kind of all the ones that I know we're not about to talk about. Sounds good. And then we can talk about what we've, what we've all come together <laughs> to do. Um, so unless somebody has the craft, no? Okay, so the craft.
3: I have things I could say about the craft, that's oh, for sure.
0: no, if you want to talk about it real quick, <laughs> your girl Nev, it's another one where people think she was maybe Justin Scream, but no, she does the craft this year as well.
3: Um, also, and I, if I would have even really thought about the craft, I would have remembered what's the main girl's name in the craft, Do you guys know it off the top of your head. No. It's not Rebecca Gayhart, but it's the other big eyed, kind of big haired, very pretty actress of the mid nineties who was in quite a bit of stuff. Um she's like the one who I'm tuned into names town here. Rachel stuff. True. Was it her? No. No? Okay. I mean I don't know. Yeah. But um Oh, Fruza Balk. No, 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 no. no oh. Not not uh not, what's her name in Waterboy? Yeah. Um, no, but let's what's, no, what's her actual name. Oh. They say it a bunch in Waterboy.
0: I don't know, but um, uh, she's the devil woman. I don't know yeah, her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. the devil woman Man, in Waterboy. S- <laughs> any
3: other day, so know this. But um, <laughs> Robin, no, I just think that there's... Robin Tunney?
0: Yes, 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 yes.
3: Robin, uh, T-U-N-N-E-Y. Yeah. I think it's Tooney? Tunney. um Yeah, she's great, and I feel like she could have had a better career. But uh, that movie is actually got some very spooky very atmospheric scenes in it um i think it's the whole reason that people today still listen to portishead because it's pretty much the entire dummy album by portishead is just the entire soundtrack of that movie which is just like makes you want to get a ouija board out it's a really great halloween movie to rewatch so it is it is
0: um and now i'm gonna leave two off here because i'm not sure exactly where grant's gonna go with his picks And then just another tales from the crypt movie, Bordello of Blood, which is uh, really fun with like Dennis Leary or not Dennis Leary, uh, Dennis Miller, and and that's just a really fun movie that has a bunch of scares in it. Um, Okay, let's let's get some titles up here on the board.
1: Uh, My my top three is Scream.
3: Yours oh, well. of this, yeah, screen, yeah. for sure. And, that, and, that, and that's one of my one two of yours, top three. Yeah. the other?
2: My other top three, and my honorable mention, I went back and forth like several times flipping these between the two, but I settled on this. It's a loose fit, but it, I feel I'm still gonna fight for it. Um, it's a horror, it's an action movie that turns into a horror movie. It's Robert Rodriguez's From Dusk Till Dawn.
1: Right, everybody be cool, or you'll be just as dead as these fucks. Raise your hand.
2: We see. It. Oh, shit.
3: oh, very nice. Oh, okay. It. Love it, love it, love it. I'm yeah. great
2: with that choice. It's it was one of those movies where if you have not seen it, pause this now. Do not look <laughs> up anything about it and just go watch this movie. It is a thrill ride. It's super weird to see Quentin Tarantino act in like a role throughout an entire movie rather than just a small cameo. Right. Him and George Clooney play two bank robbing brothers, the Gecko Brothers, the Gecko Brothers. Yeah. Uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino, oddly enough, plays a psychopath.
0: <laughs> uh, Weird, yeah. But,
2: uh, so they kidnap <laughs> this. Guy. They kidnap this family to use them as a cover, so they can get to the Mexican border and get to this dive bar called the Titty Twister. And when they get to this dive bar, they're having a drink. And then all of a sudden, everyone there is a fucking vampire. <laughs> and not just vampires, like weird alien looking vampires. <laughs> and I remember watching this for the first time being like a Tarantino movie that he wrote. Robert Rodriguez is directing. I've never seen it. This is going to be great. And then like there's just one moment where I'm like, holy fuck fucking shit what is happening and then it just like once it starts there it doesn't stop until everyone's dead at the end do
3: you think it's just one of those classic uh, bank robbing RV movies and then all of a sudden
2: (laughs) things change yeah you got uh, Harvey Keitel playing the dad Juliette Lewis um, playing the daughter and then a guy that they introduced for this role and then he's never in anything else ever again and rightfully so because he's a terrible actor but (laughs) this movie is just it's a fun fun movie I I will call this the number one Halloween part Party movie. that's
3: great you're,
2: you're throwing a mm. Halloween party you just need something on in the
0: background throw on from dusk till dawn and I guarantee you'll get the one person who all of a sudden can't get up off the couch <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly Alex right here would you like to nominate yourself as that yeah. person I mean I'm definitely in it until this summer yeah. high striptease um, yeah and then one of, one of my favorite parts about it is a name that you mentioned
2: earlier there's a guy that has a small role who is at the bar that isn't one of the vampires and so there's like this small group when the vampires all show themselves that they like team up to try and fight out and it's Tom Savini who is uh, a Widely renowned makeup artist in the horror genre, like the best, the best, yeah. and got to direct. Uh, was it Night of the Living Dead remake? Yeah, is that what you throw? Um, and my favorite part is his name. His credited name in that movie is Sex Machine.
1: <laughs> and he's got
2: he's got a pistol that's in his crotch like that just comes shooters. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
0: it's a fun movie. It's definitely written by Tarantino. Oh, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's a great film. I'm happy it's up there as well.
2: Um, yeah, and
3: just even talking about it, I haven't seen it in years, and I'm like. I want to see some hike up that snake right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then
2: before we dive in on Scream, which was our three number ones, I want to throw out uh, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners. Um, as your honorable mention. As my honorable yeah. mention, yeah. Um, also, something I found out looking this up everything he's ever done, including Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, he has written with his wife, Brandon. Oh, Lynch. wow. I didn't I know that. I think that's pretty
0: awesome. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that either. um Okay, yeah. So we'll see if we circle back to that.
2: Uh, what does
3: that say about? Films, you guys, right. you know? Should we didn't know that? Come on, come on, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Peter so Jackson, she's... rep for your wife a little bit more. Come on. <laughs> um, okay,
0: so, do you guys like scary movies?
1: There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, go ahead, no, it's an
0: honorable mention for me, so you guys carry this one.
1: So Scream definitely revitalizes horror in the nineties as, as we're showing right now. We're like, we went through three years where there was literally nothing uh, on any of our lists. Uh, It also, it also takes like the horror tropes from the eighties and, and the seventies and parodies, parodies them and, and really, really commentates on how, why we love horror movies. Uh, I think it's, 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 It might be Wes Craven's... It might be his best. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street is definitely influential. um, But Scream, really, I feel like is his masterpiece.
3: I think it is. I think it's the best movie he made. I don't know if it's the most influential, but I think it's the... Actually, it's the most influential for sure, but... It's the best. I think it's the best. I think it's the best movie he made. I agree with you.
2: Um, this may come across as blasphemous, but I actually watched this for the first time this weekend. I, <gasps> Whoa! I, I have
3: never I'd seen. It's not blasphemous. I'm actually so jealous I of you. I was going to say that too. I yeah. think all the time when I love a movie, I just fucking wish I could watch this for the first right. time again. And so that you got to have this experience just now, like, uh Tom, was, what was it like? It <laughs> was. It was super
2: fun. I was. I watched it by myself, lights off, popcorn, beer, jiffy
3: pop on the stove. No, I wish. I wish
2: I would do that. But like knowing. Like, this movie is so, like, iconic. Like, I knew about the Drew Barrymore scene in the beginning. I knew the, the, the line, do you like scary movies? You know, the voice thing. I knew that it was borderline satire, like, almost Wes Craven making fun of himself. Mm-hmm. Which, then knowing that going into it, seeing all these other Wes Craven movies and picking up on all these, like, little tiny jokes. I think I start I started crying laughing when Henry Winkler is the principal, which yes. I love, comes out of his uh, office and he looks to the left and there's... Uh, Wes
3: Craven as Freddy. Yeah, Wes
2: Craven <laughs> as Fred the janitor, <laughs> the janitor wearing yeah. the sweater and the hat. Mopping! I, like, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, this is awesome.
3: It's incredible. Um,
2: but then, like, the... Being a movie from '96, the jump scares still getting you. The parts that aren't scary, but they like the sounds, and like the cuts, like make it scary. You know, like uh Dewey just pop it up and saying just hey guys and it's just like oh <laughs> shit okay uh, David
3: Arcut has that effect on people yeah, no.
2: <laughs> but uh no I I had such a fun time watching it because even like the parts at the end where uh Stu and Billy are like you know confessing like their whole plan and they're just creepy as hell. I'm then, a
3: little woozy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but then they're still talking about like the rules. It's the rules, you know it's you know this is all one big movie and it's just like did come you know on, it was two killers. I, I had thought so I didn't, I, the entire time I thought it was Stu.
3: But you never, but you didn't know like going into it. No,
2: okay, going okay. into it, I didn't know it was two different people, which was a, a fun little twist. I also was laughing throughout the movie. I was like, "Never has there been a killer in a movie that has like gotten the shit beat out of him in almost every kill that he does. <laughs> like someone gets at least two good shots on him, and it's just like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing." And no, so that's because he's
1: a high school kid. And that's yeah, what, exactly. and that's what
2: like that's what took me to. It. I was like, it can't be the dad because the dad would be too like big. It'd be too He'll foreboding. Be manhandling yeah. these guys, and yeah. so yeah, I had. I had, a, I had a blast watching this. I'm like, I'm, now I'm excited to watch the sequels.
0: <laughs> well, and so what you'll find um, in the sequels is that Ghostface, as opposed to like a Michael Myers or a Leatherface who just stays the same yeah. every throughout every movie, Ghostface is awesome because Ghostface changes and it keeps you guessing. That's part yeah. of watching the films is that who's behind the mask this time I think yeah. that's
3: kind of it gives it almost like a little supernatural element to it because Ghostface is immortal in that way you know like he yeah, can keep yeah. being reinvented he can be anyone
0: yeah uh, and that's why going back to the intro little kids wearing that to school and shit you're just like god damn yeah, really freaky and saying what's yeah. <laughs> up yeah yeah alright I, I feel like there has to be more that
3: oh, we can talk about I know this. I yeah. feel like Max uh, do you have something to say I feel like you didn't say too much right there I'm sorry I'm hosting this podcast <laughs>
1: I mean, I, listen. It, it, it's a masterpiece. We Scream, uh, even though you know Grant just blew our minds by saying he watched it for the first time ever. Who hasn't seen Scream? No, no I think I, I think the fact that one movie was able to bring back uh, uh, the uh, slasher slasher genre, <laughs> and, uh, a an original and, but iconic character at the same time. It's just Scream is just like one of those uh, linchpin movies, horror movies that you have to watch. It also
3: never stops being self-referential because it now has become one of the movies it made fun of where it's got so many sequels. There's kind of like been some bad sequels. There's been some really obvious sort of plot points and stuff before and like some casting of people that they just... They always find a way to do something with it. I'm actually a defender of the 2011 Scream 4. I am, too. Oh, that's great.
2: Is that the newest one? Yes. Okay, because that's the one, like, uh, was it? Kieran Culkin is in it, and they yes. like have, like, their up. Okay, yeah. I remember, like, seeing the trailers for that. Be like, they're making another Scream?
3: Scream 5's
1: like... coming.
0: Scream yeah. 5's coming. Yeah,
2: 20,
3: 20, yeah. 2021?
0: If people on set stop getting COVID. Well yeah, that's true. I it's been shut down like three times since they uh, restarted um, production.
3: Actually, I've got some fun facts about the Scream 5 situation. Is this a good time for me to for um, it? bust yeah. it out right now? Okay, let me pull up my notes. While she's looking that been... up,
2: another thing I noticed, uh, like I saw her and then I was like, is that who I think it is? Linda Blair has a cameo in the first Scream.
3: Yes, she does. Isn't she a cop?
2: No, she's one of the reporters. That's and right. And There's like that's a scene right. where she's like, wait, the people have a right to know. The people <laughs> have a right to know. I was like, no, they don't. This is a high schooler's <laughs> personal life. Like, what? <laughs>
3: Um, okay, so Scream, uh, made by Dimension Films, the little brother of Miramax, mm. as we all probably know. Um, and you know, now defined. Yeah, that's the
0: only yeah, that's the only thing that's aged poorly about Scream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that it's a Weinstein production.
3: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh Spyglass Entertainment is gonna take over on Scream Five and uh this is something maybe is actually I'm gonna wait to finish this until we get to something else because it might spoil something. Ooh, okay, okay. I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna finish this later. What a tease! Yeah, quite Um, the tease. Okay, so
0: scream. It's up there. It's
1: everyone knew it was gonna be up there. Everyone knew it's up
0: there. there. Yeah, our intro starts out with it. I mean, come on.
1: It's probably the best. Horror movie out of the 90s. I wouldn't yeah. oh, argue that. Yeah. And
3: it's also truly a comedy. It's funny. Oh, yeah. Matthew absolutely. Lillard is like Oscar worthy in this movie. He's so insanely I wish he, I over overtired. <laughs> we tried. We tried. 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 Fucking Matthew Lillard. <laughs> uh,
0: if you'd like to still come on,
2: though, we would we'd yeah. love to have you.
0: Um,
3: I don't know. I'm pissed. <laughs>
0: Okay, so 1996. It's the cornerstone for everything that's happened since. It's it's brilliant. Okay, on to 1997.
1: Nothing for me.
3: Um, I have an honorable mention.
0: I do as well. All right, nothing for me. What's yours, Rach?
3: Should we do it on three? Ooh, I don't know. It, mm, oh, yours is weird. Is yours it's yours weird? Mine
0: is not. I know what you did last summer. That's mine for sure. I know it is, <laughs> yeah. um, um, mine is Event Horizon. Oh, nice. Um, Okay, so we'll see if we get back to either of those. I know what you did last summer. I wanted it, but I'm like, Rachel's going to do it. You knew I was going to
3: do it. You didn't have to. Yeah. That's like, I didn't have to say anything about Jacob's Ladder because I didn't know where you were going to say it, but I was like, you're going to say something It's going to be up there, right?
0: Um, Okay, but here we go. Now, all of a sudden, there are so many good, scary movies that come out just a year after Scream. Thanks, Scream. Yeah, so uh, a film that I battled back and forth with a lot that Jacob's Ladder ended up edging out is this movie called Cube. It's a really cool movie that totally lays the groundwork for Saw. It's basically if the movie Saw happened in a giant Rubik's Cube, where once you got out of the first room, <laughs> then you just have to figure out how to get it out of the next. It laid the groundwork
3: for horror movies named after inanimate objects. <laughs> <laughs> Basically,
0: yes. Um, and then, yeah, you have uh, Jack Frost, which is a really cool... <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's a really cool, fun horror movie to put on around Christmas time. Another kind of party movie where you can just put it on.
1: Super iconic cover, too. I remember seeing that at the video store Uh, all the time. Absolutely.
0: Um, And then Guillermo also makes Mimic, which I rewatched for this podcast. I watched it a long, long, long time ago. And this is a great creature flick um, where it's just, it's basically like chud, but done a lot, lot better. (laughs) Um, Where you have just these like mutant bugs that have taken over um, the sewers. And then Scream Two comes out just a year later, and
3: I rep for Scream Two.
0: I love me some Scream Two. Anything with Jada Pickett, just like sign Sarah me Michelle up. and Sarah Michelle. She pops in. Mike Tomlin. I mean, Omar Epps.
1: Isn't Jennifer Love Hewitt in that one too? No, 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 okay. no. She's no. not. No,
0: no, no. Um, but yeah, you get all your you get all the headliners back: Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox. Um, obviously, Dewey David Arquette. So I'm
3: saying all of the women in these, like I know what you did last summer, scream like all those kind of movies are good actresses. I really think that they are. Like Skeet Ulrich, go fuck yourself. Like, uh, give me more Nev Campbell movies. Yes. Like, you know, you're not the next Johnny Depp. People <laughs> no. lie to you. No, no, no. We're on to
0: you. Um, okay, moving on to
3: 1998.
1: I have an honorable mention.
3: Nothing
0: for me. Ooh, I'm surprised.
3: I right. have.
0: Um, you know what comes out in '98, right? Mm-hmm.
3: I've got an honorable mention, and it's something that I don't feel proud about, but it's there. Okay.
0: you go first. Rachel collects her shame.
1: Honorable <laughs> mention is Ring you. Oh, oh,
3: nice.
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's 98? Fuck a duck. That's a Hall of Famer for me.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so we'll have this discussion in a second. Rachel, what's your... Uh...
3: It's Urban Legend. Yes! I,
0: that's why you're on this <laughs> podcast, Rachel. That's why you're on. Here.
3: I fucking love urban legend. I I love a movie that has like a whole first half where it's just people telling stories basically. <laughs> like it's just so much exposition before the first murder happens. Like the scenes in the college classroom where the they library. make them they make them take the Ring Pops and the soda and stuff or Ring Pops uh Pop Rocks. Uh it's just like something that actually really scared me because even as maybe For the first time I saw it, it was for sure, like, on cable, like, a TNT with commercials kind of situation. Edited a little bit. Edited for sure. There's no dog Um, in the microwave. (laughs) No dog in the microwave, which I'm still okay with that part being cut out when I watch it now. Um, I'm like, no, I missed that part. Um, But it's something that really scared me because even as a kid watching it on TV, I had heard Urban Legends before. Like, I had actually heard the Pop Rocks and the Soda, Your Stomach Will Explode thing before. Um, The whole, like don't flash your lights when you're driving and stuff like that. I had heard someone say that to me before. It really made me feel like, oh shit, here's a movie that just took some regular things that you talk about and you hear, put it on film and it's going to be relatable because we've all heard urban legends. Well, it's mm-hmm.
0: also freaky because, and not to spend too much time on um, an honorable mention, but uh, you're almost afraid that this is now going to um, have like copycat consequences. Yeah. Where yeah. someone's yeah, yeah, then yeah. going to watch this movie and be like, I'm crazy, I'm going to go out and do this. And when you're seeing it, you know, at a young age, that that kind of plays into your mind.
3: And I just want to make sure that everybody knows that I don't include Tara Reid in the good version of horror (laughs) movie actresses. She's not part of the people I'm talking
0: about. Um, Okay, before we move on,
2: I'm interested. What did you you think I was going to put out for 98? Blade. Oh.
3: Yeah. yeah, no. No. <laughs> I didn't also,
2: even I see that's one of those. I didn't even think of it as a horror movie. That movie never scared me. Too. It's yeah. got vampires it's, yeah, in it. Yeah, it, that's true. It does have vampires it in it. It is but...
3: weird, pretty creepy when they're dancing in a club and a bunch of blood comes down. Like that kind yeah. of is disturbing to watch. I'm not crazy about that, but <laughs> After that, it's just you're not like, into that, no. You know, I, she's more in it for the Steven Dorf. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I prefer him in the um, every time video by Bernie Spears, that's my uh, favorite Steven Dorf performance. That's the Apex Mountain <laughs> Stephen Dorf Truly, 3. if you've never watched that video, it's so dramatic and insane, it's crazy. You should definitely, she like drowns in a bathtub, it's wonderful.
0: Um, okay, so let's talk about the ring. out in nineteen ninety eight, directed by Hideo Nakata.
1: Yeah, this is the Japanese version.
0: Japanese version, one hundred percent. Max, produced... can you
3: say it again the Japanese way? Because I truly have always just been like Ringu whenever I read it.
1: It's, it's like Ringu? K-K.
0: Ringu. Renew. Renew? Yeah. It's like a O double O sound. Renew. Um
3: Renew when fart. it has a sequel. With Mamie Watts. <laughs> Renew um, it.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the number one thing that I've written down here under my uh, Hall of Fame notes for this is just stay away from talking about the remake as much as possible. Just <laughs> Well, it's this one is far more terrifying Holy than, than shit. the remake. This movie, I watched it for the first time for this podcast at like 11 o'clock at night and at least five or six times just a spine-tingling chill.
3: I'm glad you just said you watched it for the first time because I was going to have to say I pull a grant and I've never seen it before. So I'm glad you just watched it for Yeah, no, well,
0: and honestly, it was because I was battling between this and another uh, Japanese horror film that we'll talk about here in a little bit. I know what it is. Yeah, of course you do. Um, But uh, yeah, I was like, I need to watch this one before I can justify putting the other one on my list. And I have so much resentment to the remake, the Naomi Watts one. And that's without even, that was before even knowing
3: how You good. just love horses.
0: <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, we're going to try to stay away from talking about the remake, which I just re- it relied way too much on jump scare and a really sharp score, which this one is completely devoid of all those things. There are scenes in this movie that uh, it, it just terrify you because it's just you're left to make up so much in your head. There's a little bit of exposition, but like a scene where, you know, the videotape's been watched. And then all of a sudden the reflection of, um, it's not Samara in this, it is, uh, Sudoku. And she's just standing there and there's no like high violin or anything that just like is supposed to make you think, oh, this is scary. You just know it's terrifying. Um, I also love too that, uh you don't get the whole like the remake was just so corny to me because everyone then all of a sudden is going around saying seven days seven days when the phone call happens after watching the video on this it's just like static and some like just a weird pitch on the other end it's not seven days it's not all this just like "Eh, i don't need this i don't need this for it to be scary um yeah by the end you I are like. I think
3: it's maybe trying to harp on some ghost face action by having the phone call the situation in like oh, a line absolutely you know? yeah oh in the remake yeah exactly yeah. how yeah, many prank
2: calls did you receive after the remake came out where someone just calls you and whispers seven days yeah oh like, I okay. would just
3: do that regularly to my friends like as a greeting <laughs> right. I'm not joking like just hey what's up seven days how you but, doing <laughs> so this one
0: this, this is a real slow burn of a movie that just has really good pace to it though and by the end of it you were like you understand the trauma that these characters, not only uh, the people who have watched the videotape who are trying to break the curse, but uh, of what happened to the little girl who ends up in the well at the end. Like, in the original, or in the remake one, and I didn't want to do this a bunch, but, like, (laughs) she's so... You see her face the whole time, and she's this crazy contortionist the whole time, and coming out of the TV, none of that shit happens in this one until the very, very end scene, it happens once. And so... For me, this is everything I want in a horror film: the slow burn atmosphere, the music. Japan's just a beautiful place to watch too on film, and I kind of like in the remake where they set it in Oregon, I believe it was. So it's in the Pacific Northwest. But that was that's what was really cool about this original one is they're like they're like for me having never been there. I think in Japan, I think just like big city, I think Tokyo or something like that. And this one, you know, you're going out to the islands. It deals a lot with the ocean and the sea um and yeah just the trees everything it's it's a beautifully shot film the music's done wonderfully um and it is just downright scary whereas we are saying a lot of these other films and granted a lot of them are american um but they didn't rely on terror as being the backbone to the film they relied on laughs or a bunch of action or a sci-fi element whereas this is just a Flat out scary movie.
3: Well, I don't want to step on the toes of the decade in front of you, but uh, I think that that's a cool thing that the Grudge remake with Sarah Michelle Geller also did is keeping it in Japan, keeping it like kind of the same right. atmosphere or whatever and stuff. Obviously, two very different movies, but
0: uh, any thought, anything else you want to add about the ring?
1: Uh, just that this influences the whole next decade uh, in ghost stories, uh, so it's it's very important. Uh, and definitely deserves to be on a hall of fame. Also, we've been shitting on the th- remake, but I will tell you, man, I've got some nostalgic feelings about that and th- that about that movie and I can't wait to rewatch it. Um,
0: after seeing was this your first time watching the version? first
1: time version? watching yeah. the Japanese version, which definitely is like much more of a tense uh, like you said at- atmer- at- atmospheric uh, kind of movie. Uh but the, the, the remake of The Ring, I mean, I remember seeing that when I was 13 in the theater, and it's
2: the turning the crap out the of me. Turning the chair in that last quarter of the movie, that still is embedded in my,
1: my mind. It, I yeah.
3: mean, that movie scared the shit out of me the first time I watched it. It really, I mean, I couldn't fall asleep, kind of like laying awake at
1: night situation.
3: I, well, and it's, hey. it's,
1: it's, it's, it's nice to go back and see what the, what laid the groundwork for that.
2: And I'd say, going back to what you said about the inspiring everything moving forward, the Japanese version, obviously, but also the American remake, it just made little girls in white dresses terrifying again. We hadn't really seen a, a scary child since The Twins and The Shining, and that's just a very small clip. And then moving forward, you get all these like ghost stories of a little girl in a white dress. I you're about to see
3: right. a lot of scary With, children yeah, after exactly. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black hair in front the, of the face. The black hair in front of the face, yeah. Absolutely. And also, we get the great line, and um, I think it's Scary Movie 2 when they have the... like big like ring kind of like parody and stuff yeah. and it's um regina regina king regina yeah. king she's like is, it regina, bottles is regina it regina hall regina, regina hall, regina hall. Regina hall. Yeah, yeah, regina um hall. and she goes uh to anna faris's cindy <laughs> regina she goes, king would never she goes cindy your tv's peen yeah <laughs> the water's yeah. coming out of it which yeah. they're like every time i watch that movie that line actually makes me laugh out loud every single yeah. time
0: the uh the one scare and i don't know maybe i was just too desensitized by then, but the one scare that got me in the remake was when they show the girl in the closet how the mom found her and that's the first time you really see like this stretched out face so for me watching the original i knew that that scene was coming but then just because i had kind of just mentally canceled the remake after the first like 10 or 15 minutes of watching the original knowing that that closet scare was going to happen not knowing how it would happen though then I, just compl- I was completely sucked in. Yeah. It, it, I didn't feel like, okay, now this part's going to happen, and now this part's going to happen. It felt like I was watching a new movie. Which... I feel like
3: you're kind of a Naomi Watts stan. I'm kind of surprised oh, that you I feel totally, this way about the I, I totally the am.
0: I, I mean, I love her. Uh, happy birthday to her, too, by the way. We're recording this on the 28th of September.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's her birthday? Um, it is. Yeah. Happy birthday. Um, we know you're listening. I know. Friend, <laughs> friend of the pod, Namely Watts, everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah,
0: I just... Everything about the original is awesome. The videotape is done better. The phone calls are done better. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, we'll, I'll probably rewatch the the remake for, for the next episode, but this one definitely deserves a spot in the 90s Hall of Fame. Um, okay, so also in 98... There's a movie that I really really like. I wanted to try to fit it into my honorable mentions, but I just I couldn't bring myself because it's just, it's too fun, but the faculty, another Robert Rodriguez film that I mean, talk about star-studded! This might be the best cast ever assembled, written by um, Kevin Williams. I was too. just going to yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah,
3: Scream. Movies, yeah. I was, yeah, that's absolutely. It's so insane that he really. That's. It's such a fun movie. The covers even look the same as the original Scream cover, where the cast is like just kind of on a and, and shape like a, a little MV. bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. And he also wrote um, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which yes. we like, Ooh, but yeah. isn't a good movie. No, no, <laughs> it's no. no. Not and, and it's I know an he awesome comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he kind of had a hold on the. The mid nineties slash
0: yeah, for what audiences wanted for
3: which sure, which is Helen Mirren tied up in a bed, teaching Mrs. Tingle. Yeah, what a good movie! So
0: and uh, <laughs> Max and I were just like, and, huh? <laughs> and, and Katie Holmes, Katie Holmes too, Katie right? Holmes, yeah. yeah. Um, but okay, yeah, the faculty is awesome. Uh, and Josh Hartnett signed me up, anything. Yeah. Um, okay, so then Halloween H2O comes out this year, which I know a lot of fans of. That Buster Rhymes, like. man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Buster. Jamie, busta Jamie uh, Lee Curtis rhymes.
2: comes back, and also Josh Hartnett's in that as well. Yeah. Um, that was a fun one. That almost made my honorable mention list just because it was one of those kind of like leaning into the, the current age oh, of like that's the doing
3: reality line. the reality show. The reality yeah, show where they're streaming it.
2: Yeah. And, uh And also, I liked it to where it's like, Michael Myers has killed the people he wants to kill, he just wants to go home and hang out at his house. And when he gets there, all these dumb teenagers are running around so he's like, oh, I guess I gotta kill you too.
0: Right. Um, and then I, I, <laughs> That's I, a great I, point. <laughs> I still know What You Did Last Summer comes out uh, this year too. Going back to the Freddy Sons didn't happen. Um, and then, okay, a really, really weird movie that... I need to revisit because it also got shit on when it came out but that I think might have actually aged kind of well but Gus Van Sant's shot by shot remake of Psycho comes out this year
3: bad I know it is Anne Heche is bad I know
0: it is but that's almost why it's fun to see her this get is, killed off. This is the Vince Vaughn one? This yes. is Vince yeah. Vaughn as yes. Norman Bates. And I just, I need to revisit that. That's I, all
3: you need to say. Vince Vaughn is Norman Bates. He's, yeah, but come this on. is not Wedding Crashers Vince Vaughn. This is 1998 Vince Vaughn. Yeah, it's Swingers Vince Vaughn. I don't want to yeah, see Swingers yeah, Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates either. I,
1: I think the problem with that is that I know he's trying to pay tribute to Hitchcock, but making a shot-for-shot remake, it just brings nothing new to, to, to that. No new angles that, and worse actors. Or so. to that, that that whole idea or even to the slasher it, it was any
0: a, of that. i i 100 admit that it was a lose-lose yeah. if he tried to do his own thing people would say well this isn't psycho and if you just do a shot-by-shot remake something they're gonna say like you're saying where's the ingenuity like let's see something fresh so yeah i just i wanted to give it a little bit of love though and then carpenter makes vampires which is a pretty awesomely bad james wood movie yeah. um uh, that, that's you know it's worth mentioning though Okay, we've reached the end of the decade in 1999. I imagine we're going to do a lot of talking this
1: month. I've got an honorable mention and two top threes.
3: I've got one top three and two honorable mentions. i got one top three and two honorable mentions. Wow. I have a
2: top
0: three and an honorable mention. Stacked. Okay, let's go through honorable mentions first.
1: Okay, so again, very loose fit for my honorable mention, but it's the mummy. Okay. I know it's an adventure movie. It's an action movie like we touched on earlier. It's so
3: fun. It,
1: <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful. And it's it's a, a, a universal uh, monster that really hits, hits home with me. That's all I'm going to say about it.
3: Uh, That movie taught me what the word virtue is, because Brendan Fraser is trying to make Rachel Vice go faster looking something up, and she says, patience is a virtue. And I was like, oh, what's a virtue? And I looked it up, and so thanks a lot, the mummy. Boom. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: Okay, your honorable mention, Rachel?
3: Um, You say you had one or two? I have two. Okay. So Blair Witch goes in my honorable mention.
2: Okay, that's one of mine as well.
3: And uh, this is also kind of in the same vein as Urban Legend, where I have shame about it before I say the name, The Haunting. Oh no, that's fine. Okay, uh, great cast: Catherine Zeta-Jones, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Luke Wilson. Um, God, what's the what's the main woman from uh, the Conjuring or the not Vera Farmiga but the other one? who's also in this.
0: Oh, uh, Lily Allen.
3: Mm-hmm. Lily Allen's a British pop singer. Oh, Lily
0: Tom. <laughs> Lily Tom?
3: No, no. Lily somebody. Yeah, she's
1: the mom in all the Contra. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's great in it. She's super great. Uh, that movie is just super Isn't fun. Chris Lee- Kattan.
1: Liam Neeson in this one too?
3: Liam Neeson is like the professor. Chris Kattan is not making an appearance. <laughs> oh no, he's in House on Haunted Hill. No, I yes. always get that yeah, those yeah. two I mixed up. Too. I did too. Yeah.
0: yeah um okay no that's totally fine i think the haunting is that's that's a good one um, um
3: hold on lily taylor lily, lily taylor, taylor. There we yeah, go. yeah 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 um, but yeah it just scared me a lot when i first watched it as a kid and uh rewatched it as early as two years ago so you know nice stuck with and it. and then you
0: had just one it was blair witch or two. Oh,
2: uh, mine was blair witch with her and then i my second one was uh, the sixth sense ah lovely okay
0: what, what's your oh own? my honorable mentions audition um, which is the other Japanese horror film that I was teetering back and forth between The Ring and Audition. I was then, in the
3: next room as you watched that for the first time and heard you gasp <sighs> at a certain scene. And Alex, uh, my like his gasp was so loud that my dad was like, what are you watching, Alex? Yeah, <laughs> no, like, what are I, you doing? I remember that.
0: I definitely watched that movie way before I should have. Um, rented it from Hollywood Video yeah. after seeing it on some countdown show or something like that. And I that.
3: believe, here's a sign of the times, watched it on a mini DVD player. Something. uh, Yeah, it was on a big screen. You were like watching it like in like around the corner. It was like living room around the corner kitchen. Alex is like on like a stool on the counter watching on a mini DVD player. My dad and I are probably watching 24.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, That was one that I battled back and forth with between that and the ring. And ultimately, I just decided that the ring is spine tingling throughout. And audition really starts to turn up the volume like in the third act. Well, good news, we get to talk about it more because that's my number. That's my yeah. last Hall of Famer. All right, cool, cool, cool. Okay, so Grant has Audition as a Hall of Famer. Yes. Your Hall of Fames, Max. I
1: had Blair Witch and okay. Six Sense.
0: Okay, cool. I also had Blair Witch as my Hall of Fame.
1: I
3: have Six Sense as my Hall of Famer. Okay. There it is. So, yeah. <laughs> 1999. Yeah. Okay. And also so. just a really great year for movies in general, in general. Absolutely, yeah absolutely like, yeah. and one of the because one of the first like movie years that i feel like i remember what movies came out that year i was in like first grade that year and i was you know very aware like when movies came out and going to see movies and stuff once titanic hit i actually feel like i always remember when movies came out every year because that <laughs> was like oh shit like some movies are really big deals when they come out it was kind of the first thing that made me realize that and so yeah like I remember Blair Witch. I remember Six Sense, and yeah, what a great year. Okay, great so year. let's
0: start with uh, Six Sense. I want to tell you my secret now.
1: I see. Uh, Six Sense, you know, a, a very a- a- atmospheric uh, movie. It kind of invents the whole twist ending, right? And that Shyamalan is like considered to be the next Alfred Hitchcock at the time. Bruce Willis in a horror movie, which you're not used to seeing that because he's this action hero. Um, and then also, I, I, the thing that really sticks with me is the scene in the tent. Where Misha Barton, like Misha Barton, one. yeah, just starts puking and it, so. It, I remember I watching as a kid and just. Being frightened and, and rewatching the, the it.
3: buttons on the tent as they pull out, 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 and then she's just there. I can yeah. remember
0: watching this, Rachel, all four of us in our family watching it upstairs on the big screen. And on my like on my own account, I grabbed a pillow and covered my face, not even knowing <laughs> what was going to come, but I just knew it was going to be terrifying. And so then when everyone's talking, you know, later after like the OC comes out and stuff, and it's just like yeah, Misha Barton when she's like thrown up in that tent or whatever, I'm like I never saw that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just
2: couldn't watch
1: it. It's such a such a really good and effective ghost story movie. Yeah,
2: um, the scene that always stuck with me in that one is the very beginning: Donnie Wahlberg in his underwear in the bathroom, Ooh, like man. just kind of starts the whole thing off. And like that that scene is just always just irked me. And and also the scene where he's at his school and he just looks down the hallway and you just see like that row of hanging Ooh, bodies that just gave me Ooh, chills. Yeah. you saying it, yeah. I swear. And it's just like, yeah that that movie just had some iconic quick cuts. That just like especially us watching it when we were kids just
0: cemented into your brain, right? Because it was PG thirteen, so it was something we were all shown probably as it yeah, like the year yeah. It came out. And yeah.
3: visuals that scare you just as much as jump scares scare you. Like oh, you didn't have to be thrown something in your face to get scared by it. It it was the first thing that made me you know, feel something behind my back when I was walking to the bathroom later that oh, yeah. night, you know, oh, like, great call. Yeah. cause it wasn't just like, Oh no, like I'm going to open my closet door and something's going to be there. It was like, Oh no, there just might be like a ghost floating around me right now. And <laughs> it might not be cool.
1: Yeah, Um, because you might not be able to see him.
3: Yeah. And it it might be the kind of ghost that wants to keep you in that weird little, uh, like, rotunda room that he gets, like, abused by that ghost or whatever at the birthday party. Oh, God. That that, that
0: was the scene that I was going to say disturbed me the most. And then also in that, the red balloon. I was going to say in the
3: balloon. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Is that an homage to it, by the way? It's got to be. I never thought about that before. Well, then m Night
0: just uses red throughout that
2: movie. Like, red is always, like, a a signature of, okay, a ghost is coming. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
3: Um, That was actually, this finishes up the. Thing that I was like, oh, I'll finish talking about that later is that, so Scream 5 is uh, going to be uh, so Dimension Films which did Scream in the first place now defunct, Spyglass is going to take over on Scream 5. Spyglass um, has been out of producing movies for a while they're coming back as a Spyglass Entertainment, but Originally, when Spyglass first started making movies, their very first film was The Sixth Sense. Ah. And they're now going to take over the Scream franchise. So they're in good hands. Pretty major for them. Do you
1: think they're going to get M. Night? to correct
3: <laughs> i'm sure Was <laughs> craven with a ouija board <laughs> the six
2: Sense also has spawned one of my favorite whenever someone talks about this movie i have to bring up the joke from an episode of it's always sunny where charlie's like yeah the movie has a great twist like you find out at the end that guy in the hairpiece that's bruce willis the whole movie
0: <laughs> that is a hilarious line yes i uh, so just had to throw that out there no that's good and also too another you know she only really has this um to her credit for this decade, but someone who now, Tony Collette, we view as one of the best she's a working... Scream queen. She's one of the best working actresses in horror, and this is
3: where it starts. Yeah, she's great in this film. She's... Insanely good in this film. Yeah, like, really I could good. have a whole hour to talk about how she is. For this. Though. She's nominated. She was nominated. nominated. I think she's nominated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. this And that's just another thing. This was another one of those horror films that just reopened people's eyes to how high quality. This also lended credit to
3: the genre in a way that Scream couldn't. You know, like, this is actually like, you would call this a film when you talk about it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, you might even call it a picture if you really yeah. want to be fancy. <laughs> <laughs> No,
0: I'm happy it's up there. You don't see too many PG-13 efforts really traumatize audiences, and this one did.
3: Also uh, begins just one of the best series of movies put out by a director that, you know, he really, I think we all thought he was about to be the biggest thing ever, but had three incredibly solid movies pretty much back to back you know Yeah,
0: Unbreakable in the Village.
3: No, no. Uh Science. S- Unbreakable in Science. Oh, science. science. Yeah. The village oh, yeah. is actually a rip off. It's a huge rip off. There's a book that he never science, yeah. he never gave credit to and it's a young adult book that is the exact same plot. I read it in 5th grade. Science comes out the next year. Yeah, it's and, got like
1: a girl like running on the cover. Yeah, it's yeah. called
3: like hidden something or whatever and read it in elementary school and I I, I saw the movie in theaters and I walked out and I was like waiting i like watched the whole like series of credits because i was waiting for it to say based off of something yeah looked it up never any credit it's the exact same plot come on m night yeah but hold on trivia time okay because i'm hosting this podcast Okay. okay um so the sixth sense signs unbreakable that's the series that we all know is like he just kills it right is there a movie in between somewhere that m night directs he wrote it
2: Oh, oh, I remember I this. I do know this as well. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh damn it! I know. I remember seeing that he wrote it, and I was like, "M Night Shyamalan wrote that."
0: Uh,
3: I'm going to get
0: this is he, what?
3: Stuart Little. Oh, that's right. He I remember wrote, it, was a kid, it was Stuart a Little. It was a kid, yeah. And he wrote it right after the Sixth Sense. It goes Sixth Sense, Stuart Little, Unbreakable <laughs> signs. Wow. What
1: a sick fuck. <laughs> I
3: know. So maybe we rewatch <laughs> that. that. In his back pocket. <laughs> maybe we rewatch that and we realize it's actually a horror movie. I'm not sure. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: someone needs to edit a Talking horror trailer. About that's to me. <laughs> <to
3: me. laughs> you put the uh, Firewalk With Me music behind Stuart Little Clips and all of a sudden
0: Ah, uh, we terrifying. got something going here. terrifying yeah. Um okay, so now let's move on to the Blair Witch project
1: I fucking ah! hope he's kidding. <laughs> Mike? I really fucking hope Mike, he's kidding. Are you kidding. I really fucking hope Mike, he's kidding. are you fucking kidding? You've got to be kidding me. Mike. You have got to fucking be kidding me. I'm fucking kidding. Get the fuck off me, man. What the fuck are you out of your fucking
0: mind? I'm not out of my mind. Right, the map doesn't man. do a shit. Do you real? Not to you, but I... Uh, it's uh, top, top three for me. and Honorable mention for me. Honorable mention for you. Top three for me. It was honorable for me. Okay. So we'll let you guys take the reins. Um, so, I've watched this movie a bazillion times, but what I did for this watch is uh, listen to the director's commentary, which I don't think I've ever had more fun. Listening to a director's commentary. And this is after, you know, doing the Carpenter stuff and other things. Wait, I thought it 70s. was a real movie.
3: I thought well, it was a documentary. Okay.
0: <laughs> it, it honestly, in listening to the commentary, becomes m- more real, even though, of course, it's not, but it becomes more real because what actually happened was yes, there's a director of photography on this film, but the three main actors are the ones who shot the movie. They are one of them on the 16 millimeter and one of them on the high eight. Um, R- RCA camera, where the production team, the writer, the director, you know, small, small uh, cast and crew, but they would actually give them, like, a location out in the woods and say, okay, go here, go set up your camp and do all this stuff or whatever and we're gonna hang back. And so they are out in the woods of Maryland actually getting lost, actually falling into creeks, like, driving each other mad because it's the three of them And then what happens is... Actually
3: dripping snot over everything there. Everything.
0: What actually (laughs) ends up happening then is that the crew catches up to them at night because they have GPS. And so when they're fucking with them outside of the tent, when they're playing, um, what they did is they had three different boom boxes playing like the kids laughing and stuff like that in the middle of the night. The actors didn't know that any of that was coming. And so when the tent's getting ruffled... When all of a sudden they're finding like the uh, bag or the the little bundle of Josh's flannel that has his teeth in it. They didn't know they were going to find that. Oh, like that. the girl actually, Heather, she walks out of the tent like during filming and sees that and gave like a creepy, you know, reaction to it or whatever. But then they start walking away and the uh, crew actually had to catch up during the day. So they were with them and they're like, no, go back and look and what's in there. And so, so much of it was unscripted. It was all genuine reactions. Um, This is the quintessential, just like, it's this in the evil dead, but just like, go out into the woods with your friends and make a horror film. And so, yeah, to watch it and to listen to them talk about it, where it's just like, you know, they're borrowing um, like their dad's friend's car because they didn't have any money. Like the people um, in Burkittsville that they kind of talk to and get the little background story of, the Blair Witch, some of them were actors, some of them were actually townspeople, That so they didn't really know what they were going to get, some of the stories, some of the performances. So much of it is just boots on the ground, and, and it just oozes through the screen.
1: It, it also is the beginning of the found footage genre, right? Yeah. I mean, other than maybe *Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust, Holocaust right. back in the 70s, but... Um, no, this movie is extremely important, and not only does it start the uh, found footage genre, but it also it also, I think probably inspires a whole nother generation of filmmakers who are watching this, like you're saying, who can just go out in the woods with their friends. And make a movie.
0: Well, and so another funny thing that I found out that they say in the director's commentary is that, I guess, um, and not just on the East Coast, but around the entire country, hunting season, like, was fucked for a whole year after (laughs) this. Because so many people were out in the woods trying to make their own Blair Witch. And so animals were just, like, you know, all skittish and everything like that. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just so many. It's one of those movies that I've talked about a bunch where... Like my third or fourth time watching it, it was with you, Rachel, and a friend. And it was, I know it was your friend's first time watching it. We kind of talked about this. It was mine too. And it was yours too. And so I'm watching it through their eyes. And all of a sudden I have this sense of dread where I'm just like, I don't want to walk down my hallway to the bathroom now or something. Because I'm so scared because I know you guys are scared. Um, Everything but from like the...
3: Being scared with people is really fun. It's so fun. (laughs) Um,
0: We were at Mopop just last year and they have one of the stick figures like, encased in glass that they built from the uh, from the film, which is just... Those things are awesome. The little rock piles are just so awesome. So many creepy things um, come and stem from this film. Yeah, the, uh, the nostril-dripping confession apology <laughs> scene, it's been parodied so much, but it's actually so well done. Like, that scene... You're really feeling for her. You're too
3: scared to wipe your nose.
0: And then and then of course, of course, the end scene when they come across the house. The actors knew they were gonna come across something, but they didn't know what it was. Like how run down the house was gonna be. Turns out that like apparently staging that house was a ton of fun for the crew. Like they brought in like their nieces and nephews to do the little kids' hand prints all over the wall. So they're like, that was an awesome day. Like we had so much fun, you know, we're cracking jokes and all this stuff. But what they did is they created just one of the most terrifying and iconic last five minutes in any film, let alone the horror genre. I mean, you could go over to a friend's house. You could go to work tomorrow. And w- like before you know someone's about to walk in a room, if you just go stand with your, you know, back to them and face the corner, someone's going to be like, quit, quit Blair witching me. You know, like that's just. It's you're so drunk good.
3: peeing in the corner or you're Blair witching. Somebody or you're, yes. Uh, yeah.
1: Also a precursor to like internet rumors, right? This movie in its marketing was like passed around on tape. This like is pe-
2: this is what I was gonna touch yeah, on. Yeah. Absolutely. The the viral this sparked viral marketing. It's it I remember not watching the movie and wanting to find stuff out about it and anything yes. you anything you looked up was what either they had released or old fables of the Blair Witch there was no indication I think it was years later until they finally were like yeah
0: we made the movie mm-hmm. this wasn't real like it took it's like
2: it wasn't
3: lo- common knowledge for a while for a
0: long and, time and they had everybody in on the hoax as well cuz something that I found out is that um people were trying to like dig dig into it and figure out what happened on IMDb actually the actors were listed as missing when you clicked on them yeah so like even if you tried to be like okay well i'm sure they're just actors what's their next project and it said like missing or presumed dead
3: slow clap well, for
0: those guys and then like other movies that follow this like how you
2: said like the found footage genre. one of my favorite viral marketing campaigns of all time was cloverfield and like that being a found footage thing and then anything you looked up online like they would slowly like just release like files that were released by the government and stuff like that and so i loved that whole idea and um then another horror movie that for like for the first minute people were like oh this is like real because of like the trailers they would do was the fourth kind Mila Jovovich oh, in the yeah. first trailer Alien straight one. up says to the camera this is real this is archive footage mixed with our remake and then you find out it's all fake right like none of it's real but like that aspect getting that extra realism to something that already feels real was just genius for. College age students making a movie with a 16 millimeter in the woods. Like well, it and it was, was great too. Pretty revolutionary.
0: You didn't know people honestly, like, something like, you know, you talked about The Crying Game earlier. Right the Crying Game was a movie that you were just, like, not supposed to spoil for people because of, like, what happened at the end. This one you almost couldn't spoil because you didn't know. Like, I remember our parents. I remember remember us like playing in the street the night that they went to go see Mm -hmm. it we had a babysitter and all this stuff and then they come home and our parents just like kind of wouldn't they wouldn't talk about it Because they didn't know how to talk about it, it was a really conflicting uh, film for a lot of people. They brought out some some pretty raw emotions. For all
2: they know, they just watched a movie where three real people get killed. Yeah,
0: and And it's so weird that like the film, of course, it's since been adjusted for inflation. It's never been beat as far as the the most ratio. Yeah, dollar per dollar, you know, dollar made per dollar spent. I think like for every dollar spent, they made like ten thousand dollars in gross which is just insane because this movie cost him about sixty
3: thousand to make mostly on the fake teeth budget
0: <laughs> <laughs> um no I, I guess they actually like one of the directors went and got those from his dentist um so like those weren't real teeth
3: well that's um, like how they there's always you know people talking about how like oh poltergeist was cursed because they used like the real, real skull, skeletons, the skeletons yeah. in the, and they're like actually the reality of that is fake skeletons are really expensive and you can just go to a medical school and getting real skeletons is get way cheaper cadavers, yeah. so there's like nothing like cre- that's just like most hollywood movies actually have real skeletons in them cuz it's way cheaper to get them than right. it's like very expensive to engineer a fake skeleton that looks regular
0: Yeah, no, it's it's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. It's another one of those to where, yeah, there's a little bit of, like, jokes between the characters and stuff like that. But it was this movie was set out to terrify audiences and They also turn on
3: each other in ways that seem really real, like when they get pissed at each other all of a sudden. Well, I'm telling you because they
0: they were turning on each other. They were by themselves. They didn't have the director saying, like, okay, no, like, you guys just made a wrong turn. You're supposed to go up that hill instead of, like, so, like, in that scene where there's, like, we've been going south all day. How are we back here? They didn't know how they got back to that spot because they were actually lost.
3: Uh, the Blair Witch was guiding them. That's how they got back yeah, there, right? okay? Um,
0: no, Blair Witch, is awesome. Okay, so
3: now... <laughs> this just turned into a Blair Witch podcast. <laughs> I, well,
0: I was afraid it was just going to turn into a Twin Peaks podcast. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, okay, so Grant, talk to talk to us about audition.
2: this is possibly my favorite horror movie out of the decade um it is done by easily in my top 10 favorite directors takashi miike um teaming up with daisuke tenjin who years later does one of my favorite movies of all time 13 assassins together so i love uh, takashi and everything he's done this movie is all about a dude who loses his wife and he's really down, depressed. And so his buddy, who's a film producer, was like, hey, I got this idea. I'm going to audition girls for this role that doesn't exist. And basically, I'm going to set you up. Like, we're going to we're basically going to audition your next wife. Yeah, you
0: come along with me. Yeah. Pose as one of my production people or whatever.
2: Yeah. And they find this girl that this guy attaches to because he feels she has emotional depth. And he hits it off with this girl. And then when it cuts to her waiting for the phone call, it's just her sitting in an empty apartment with a giant trash bag and a phone. And that's it.
3: And it's like this movie made me afraid of garbage bags. You guys never have been a single woman dating people. That's what most guys' (laughs) houses look like. That's what a lot of people's houses look like. Uh,
2: And so she does like the whole, like, obviously you pick up right off the bat, she's hiding something. She's not who she says she is. She ends up being like this crazy bitch, this crazy (laughs) (laughs) manipulative girl. And this guy is just like head over heels for her. her resume has no connections, either like the line is dead or no one knows who you're talking about. And it is just one of those, one of the best suspense movies I've ever seen, because as it keeps going, you still can't figure things out until you get to the end. And then you really see who this woman is. And it's
0: way too late by then. Yeah. Yeah. And it's
2: way too late. And then the scene where the that garbage bag gets opened up and you're just like, what the fuck? And like, I was like, I remember watching it for the first time when I was younger and my oldest brother showed it to me and I was just like, the Japanese have a sick, <laughs> like, I don't know, like, how is this a horror movie? Like, give me like a, give me Freddie, give me Jason, give me something else. And then revisiting it, I was like, this is brilliant. This is one of the scariest things I've ever seen.
3: Hard Candy is kind of an homage to this, isn't Yeah, it? no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah.
2: I, looking back on it and like doing research for the podcast, I really love the fact that it's one of the earlier movies i'm sure there's some scattered out there obviously misery and other things but like usually you always have like the scream queen the damsel in distress and this like flips it to where the girl is the psychotic killer and she's the powerhouse and it is it is insanely
0: moving in in that sense and it's tough too because even though as shady as the premise sounds you know the fake casting call and all that stuff the dude is a nice guy. Yeah, like, no, it, he loves his son. He's really been like depressed and didn't want to go date because he loved his, you know. And basically, or, his, or his his friend his almost like forces
2: him into doing this, yeah, and totally. then he finds this girl that, like, of course, he's going to attach to immediately because he's depressed and just wants something to fill this void, and it ends up being this psychotic killer. And uh, I, yeah, I remember watching this when I think I was like thirteen. That's about the age that I was, when and I, saw I was just terrified. And it just made me, like, not want to watch foreign movies ever again.
0: Like, I, thankfully, I, I did, because Japanese movies are not, like, some of my favorites, but... Um, I and I don't care how much pain I'm ever in, I will never get acupuncture. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, Deeper, deeper, deeper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, also,
3: no. how do you guys feel about, like, an online dating scenario? Like, well, so you? that's what I said to Max. I go, this movie
0: is so good right now because it is it's just the precursor for what was to come as far as internet dating and the perils of that where you don't know who that person that you just swiped right on or I don't even know how it goes swipe left swipe right but like (laughs) you don't know who it's gonna be they might have a burlap sack in their room that all of a sudden twitches crazily because there's a deformed man. A, a buddy of mine
2: that we're going to have on the podcast here in a couple weeks, he and I wrote a short horror story that was basically inspired by Audition, just melded into My um, Dating. We never like filmed anything, but it was basically that whole idea of you, you don't know. Like you can swipe right on someone like have a good conversation, but you don't, you don't know really what's going on behind the scenes. Did you watch it for this pod?
1: I did, yeah. And the last 40 minutes is some of the scariest stuff. I've ever seen on film. Yeah. By far.
3: I think there's a certain kind of scare when you genuinely are scared of what you're about to see on the screen. Not about what's happening to the characters, but just about, like, what might I be about to watch? oh,
1: my God, they're going to show this? They're going
3: to show me something that I don't know if I want to see what they're about to show me.
2: When you see the bag move for the first time. That's what
0: I'm saying. (sighs) When
3: that phone rings.
2: Yeah.
3: What was... Okay, so because this is, like, such a clear memory of mine, Alex, hearing you when you were watching the movie, like you're pretty tough when it comes to mm-hmm. visual things and stuff. What was that scene that made you? Cause I was in the adjacent room and could this hear is a, you. This
2: is a spoiler zone too. If
0: you have
3: not that, scene, yes, okay. fast okay. forward
0: or pause. So the scene that got that reaction from me is the guy who we're talking about, and this is not her first victim, you know, this is probably victim yeah. 20 or whatever. Well, the, the, the feet and the things in the bag with him aren't hits. No, 100% so. not. So uh, this guy has no tongue and she just has this like, Gruel that she feeds him and the first time that he comes out and starts lapping that up I was just like oh it's it's not gruel it's she throws up into a dog that's bowl that's right that's right that's right she throws oh, up into oh, a dog yeah. bowl cause
2: he comes out and he's, obviously he's begging for food so she throws up into a dog bowl
0: and he just goes Devours. to town
2: hey
3: and don't kink shame okay <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, there's th- there's that, and then, you know, like Max is talking about, the third act, the climax, the- it's not just acupuncture needles, there's piano wire. There's I was going say, the, piano, oh, the piano, piano wire, wire. yeah, oh, the piano wire. There's all kinds of stuff, They're just the practical use of, I-, I won't even call them everyday objects, but something that, you know, it's not a butcher knife, it's not a chainsaw, it's stuff that you can just never look at the same in your everyday life again after watching this film. Actually,
3: I mean- speaking of, sorry, but uh, my honorable mention that's not a good movie, The Haunting has a good use of piano wire it they play some keys and the ghosts whatever you can see them they tighten the like little thing that tightens all the piano wires and somebody goes over and it's like i just feel like hits a piano key and the wire springs off and gets them in the eye and it's like a very like it's things like that i mean i've never been an eye person but uh there's There's Meaning certain things hate Stuff I mean I eyes. hate yeah. things That involve eyes Yeah uh, So yeah that <laughs> I'm definitely, not an eye person <laughs> I'm not Pretty really casually <laughs> I'm not I person I am not it really casually i am not an eye person i do not have any I don't really <laughs> I don't use those uh, But no yeah Inanimate objects That all of a sudden A movie changes forever for you 100% um,
0: So yeah Obviously this kind of Goes back to what we said In the intro Where just The influence of Japanese horror Really kicked it up um, Towards the end of this decade Absolutely So I'm really happy That both uh, The original ring And audition Are on our list Oh
2: and then the main guy. I forgot to mention this. Main guy is the detective in the Japanese Grudge movies. So I thought that was a cool Ooh. little like. He's just kind of that's very uh, cool. like the horror guy in, screen in king. Japan. Yeah, the Screen King.
0: Well, so then before we go back and do our honorable mentions uh, and get them, you know, decide what's going to be in the Hall of Fame, kind of the Scream Queen is obviously going to live on forever, but the 90s were actually kind of good for some awesomely bad Scream Kings. I just want to give some credit to like my guy, Sam Neill. Um, (laughs) I'm a little surprised, honestly, that no one had Jurassic Park just as an honorable mention, kind of just because of the age we were when we saw it and what that could have done. But he does In the Mouth of Madness. He does. He's in Event Horizon. Event Horizon Um, Horizon was the one Um, I was thinking of. Yeah. And then also you know you could say jurassic park has some pretty creepy shots
2: oh dude it, some scary the, stuff
0: the t when you're a kid the t-rex scenes terrifying
2: I was a
3: monster me. movie yeah absolutely the raptors uh looking through the big kitchen the raptors in the kitchen the raptors the, in the kitchen is something the projector like with all the coating like yeah. up yeah. on them. That, yeah.
2: was a, that was a
0: great shot yeah um okay so once again There was a little bit more consensus than I thought. Uh, We have eight films up on our board right now and need seven more. So some of the ones I have down here that uh, definitely deserve to be up there, I think, are the It miniseries. Um, Pennywise is not on the Mount Rushmore with Freddy, Jason, and those guys, but he's definitely in that second tier.
3: Pennywise might not be, but Tim Curry Tim could Tim be. Tim Curry, he's Absolutely. really scary. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Tim Curry as a person, maybe even is just up there. He's yeah. and then terrifying. Him in Home Alone
2: two, yeah. terrifying. Yeah.
3: Him yeah. in a fucking four minute role in Charlie's Angels, very creepy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, he's 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 a great actor uh, who who really has his niche that uh, can be really effective mm-hmm. in films, and it all starts with Pennywise. Um, it, it might be my favorite Stephen King adaptation, and um like you said max owning the blu-ray watching it as just like a three and a half hour long film totally works i think we have the patience for that now as opposed to back then in the 90s when you know studios wanted you under two hours and all that jazz um but no it's great anything we
1: Uh, i think it's also kind of the first time that like clowns become really scary
0: oh yeah Right. yeah you, well, guys it. had the clown in the rocking chair and sure stuff, but yeah. never as like a killer or as a prominent
1: yeah you know, well in
0: the, the 80s had that that be killer clowns from
2: outer space but that wasn't like this is like real life clowns in your face gonna terrify uh my buddy matt wiley to this day will not watch anything with clowns because of it he watched the new it and he's like okay that wasn't nearly as scary as tim curry as- it's
3: because uh, Tim Curry is way more tangible. Oh, absolutely. Like when Tim Curry shows up on a scene, I feel like not only is he going to like embody my biggest fear, but I feel like he could hit me. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in like a funny way. Like I feel like he could like physically hurt me at any time that he wanted to in that scene. Like he seems like he's there with you. He doesn't seem like he's a big magnified version of myself coming out of a pond. Like he right. seems like he's there to hurt you. And that's what he wants to do, and you feel like he can succeed in it at any time, yeah.
0: right? It, whereas in the remakes, Pennywise is more of like an evil entity, mm-hmm. and which is more aligned with the book, hundred uh, yeah. percent, yeah. Yeah. yeah, more fantasy, uh, absolutely, more fantasy yeah. aspects in the in the remake. I just
3: keep waiting for that child orgy. When is that going to show up <laughs> in a movie? Come
0: on. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm very happy that Pennywise is up there, and then something that was on all of your guys' honorable mentions that I refuse to talk about, but if you guys want to spend some time on. Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs. I think it deserves to be up there.
2: I, it deserves to be up there. I mean, it's just so iconic when it comes to killers. I mean, you have Freddy, you have Michael Myers, you have Jason, you have Hannibal the Cannibal. I mean, Anthony Hopkins delivers one of his best performances. Um, and granted, the fact that... He, he is the person,
0: and he's not even the bad guy. Well, that's that's kind of my thing about this movie is that it, you know it's almost has that you could win a bar bet the same as you could with like who's the killer in Friday the Thirteenth, and everyone says Jason. It's like, eh, nah, eh. No. Yeah, it's, um, it's Mrs. Voorhees because yeah. everyone thinks you know, oh yeah, Signs of the Lambs. Hannibal, Fava Beans, or whatever, blah 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 blah. Yeah. It's like nah no, dude, Buffalo nice Bill. <laughs> Buffalo Bill is crazy. also it's
3: something that is going to be remembered. As a horror movie, and it's got best screenplay, director, actor, actress, picture. picture. Like it's just, it gets every single
1: main thing. Much, much off. like The Exorcist, exactly. Yeah. 70s. No, exactly. This
2: was going to be the close second to be a horror movie that got that prestigious award. Yeah. Um, but then also, I think Sounds of the Lambs is the reason why hannibal red dragon everything going moving forward even the tv show hannibal makes it so scary is because of anthony hopkins in that first just jail cell then you see him actually being who he is in some of those other movies and it's it just adds to it i think he just created kind of more I, i i think it belongs up there because of the iconic character it creates not necessarily the movie itself even though the movie itself is fantastic Oh, yeah, it's that's a, just it's a great yeah, that was, movie. That's why it was in my honorable mentions.
3: What do we think are actually maybe the scenes in Silence of the Lambs that would qualify it as a horror movie? Are I there think, ones that it's stick the out buff- to you? I think it's
0: the Buffalo Bill stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely. Know? It puts yeah. the lotion on it. Yeah,
0: seat. and then...
1: And when they're going through the house uh,
0: in the night oh, vision. Oh, the night vision. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's yeah, really yeah. terrifying. Um, a question I have for you guys. Has anybody ever seen Michael Mann's uh, mind, er, Manhunter?
3: have not manhunter yeah so no. that
0: came out in like 1998 and, i believe and, that's, and it's that's,
2: red dragon yeah it, isn't that uh, the same character graham norton
0: or whoever edward norton I, Edward no, Norton's no. character graham whatever graham, graham wilson graham, 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 graham bell graham bell maybe or something
2: alexander somewhere. graham bell is yeah, you could no, no, one. I, honestly, I just oh. rewatched
0: red dragon the other
2: day and i
3: think i like, did too i did too but then it's, it's also graham manhunter is
2: the is that the one with um the guy from csi William Peterson yes yeah, yeah okay so yeah so it's one of those it's in that conglomerate it's in the Hannibal lore but right. Hannibal's not in it right mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly well
0: no the Graham character references how he needs to uh consult with Hannibal to help him figure out who like not the red dragon like the Ra- the Rafe Fiennes character
3: in, in. wait are you saying that Anthony Hopkins isn't in red dragon no, no he no, is can. in Will Graham, Graham. In Will, Will, okay. Graham. Okay. Will oh it's Graham. Brian Cox that's Hannibal Lecter Oh, I love and, Brian and
2: Man and yeah. Yeah. yeah, And they oh, also spell his fame. last name differently. So I think there may have been like it couldn't be associated with mm-hmm. those movies, but it was still they had rights to the They wanted to keep certain
3: things canon yeah. for no, whatever. That's,
0: that's one that's been on my watch list for a really long time. Um and it's Michael Mann, like one of my favorite directors. But yeah, this Sons of the Lamb's is a great, great, great movie. Um one of yeah, one of the most well done, like another one that I think here deserves to be up there. It's kinda like Dracula, where it's just so well done. Yeah that it's you know it's an impressive film that you could show somebody hey you want to watch a quote-unquote scary movie and like oh i don't i don't like scary movies and you're like you're gonna like this one because of everything else involved right. in it um so how do we feel about putting francis ford coppola's dracula up there
3: i've only for i've only watched it once but i had a great time
2: if gary oldman is in the movie it belongs in every hall <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey i will yeah. back and I the gary up for that performance is yeah. Yeah. oh it's, it's amazing it's, it's unbelievable awesome.
0: yeah absolutely um, and, and too, we just, uh, we love when directors take, not that this was a real chance. I mean, Francis Ford was established as like
3: the
2: best departure living, working,
3: from what people would expect. Yeah, from him, but, yeah, like, so he, so he, there, he never really
0: did like
2: a period piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, unless you look at the Godfather and Apocalypse Now as period pieces, but it's, he's done more present day kind of stuff. And mm. then this is like
0: throwing it back and yeah. he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, so I think I think we get Dracula up there as well. And then there there needs to be there there's some spaces left here where some of our favorite uh teen teen flicks. Need
3: I think to make it. if we're if we've got this many empty spaces, I think just for it being the first great uh shitty teen thing that comes after uh Scream, I know what you did last summer.
0: And I'm hundred yeah. percent on board with that. Um super fun cast. Uh the guy another just underrated where like Ghostface is scary because you don't know who's behind the mask. You know kind of who's in the the slick suit, the trench yeah. coat, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's just you never really see his face. You don't really know. I mean, you know why he's coming back because they ran this guy over, you know, partying one night.
3: The communication through uh, like just kind of like envelopes and letters and stuff, though, you know, and like really kind of letting dread be uh, part of the exposition versus it being actually like, what happens in a lot of scene-by-scene scene basis, though, I think uh, ages really well. When you look back on something, like, they just make you feel weirded out. Also, uh, Anne Heche, briefly, in that movie. She is. Yeah. Is. Yep, yep, By, right. like, some... She's, like, some white trash, Where like... Where they go back to her house, because Yeah, she knows. she's, like, the brother of... Or the girlfriend of who they killed, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: no, that movie is a lot of fun, and, like, you know, it's a total... It wouldn't have happened if Scream didn't happen the year before, but it's not a total rip-off. It's just another young, attractive cast of, you know, who are supposed to be teenagers. I'm sure they were all in their early 20s when they filmed this. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's a really good, it's another really good intro to horror for a lot of people. Because, especially too, if they're willing to take a risk and see like some kills on screen um, and, and some blood be spilled.
3: So, and as we talk about things that kind of like funnel themselves into the horror genre this wants to be a horror movie and that's what it's a teen campy horror movie but it's a horror movie it is like it's very purebred it's just there's not all the flick. stuff yeah.
0: that a movie like scream has yeah it's a slash or or even flick a movie like uh, urban legend urban legends kind of poking fun of it mm-hmm. at itself almost while also trying to be a really effective but it's just movie. like but, no
3: we've got a couple hot like one's like a hot nerd but one's a hot popular girl and this is a hot sensitive guy and this is they're all hot but <laughs> They've got yeah. different personalities. Right. They're all hot. Yeah, right. They're all friends somehow. And, they and they're all, all going to get killed. <laughs> and exactly. They
0: all deal with this like impending doom that you know is coming mm-hmm. in a different way. So it's kind of fun. Like the Ryan Phillippe kill scene is just, it's so great. I love that one. Um,
2: one of my favorite parts, the, one of my favorite things to come out of this movie is Jennifer Love Hewitt's cameo on the horror episode of Boy Meets World. Yes, oh they, basically, my God. they just basically use the like the score of Scream and then have Jennifer Love Hewitt in there to just scream. That's when I was and,
3: thinking about she's the best screamer. Yeah, no, the and then there's does, a part yes. like where
2: she's screaming and then it's either Will Friedle or uh, uh, Matthew Lawrence like looks at her and just goes, "You know, you're really good at that." She yes. goes, "Oh,
3: thanks." And That's
2: it's just like <laughs> I don't that, know. I don't know about this oh at all. Oh my That 100. percent there is a, a two-part horror episode of Boy Meets World where they basically just combine Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. And they just, like, the the guy that's the killer is basically in the Scream outfit, but it's a skull mask it's rather so than a ghost face killer. It's and
3: actually all, like, an allegory, too, for Corey cheating on Dependent. No, and it really is. So that's, like, <laughs> it is the, like, I Know What You Did Last
2: Summer kind of feel of, like, the guys like coming for Corey because he's a bad person now. But then, like... the like, <laughs>
3: this is fantastic. Yeah. And I think, wait a minute. Doesn't the girl that he cheats on her with, isn't it Linda Cardellini?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And oh, so it's an God. ode back to that. And then it's like, everyone's trying to make out with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Mr. Feeney gets stabbed in the back with some scissors. There's blood on the chalkboard. And then, like... Uh, Eric, Eric, and Jack are like the humor, like like you know they're like the scream like humor where they come in and like uh, my favorite line of the whole thing is just everyone's screaming about something they all stop and then all of a sudden Eric starts screaming he goes I
3: lost my basketball and they're like no it's right here he goes oh okay good <laughs> all right so uh, next on the board the boy meets world Halloween episode. Yeah,
2: yeah 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 put those up there yeah. put
3: those up there. Yeah. part one and two part one yeah. and two and then we only have one more space um, okay but no
0: so we've whittled it down now to three remaining slots I'm gonna go and throw Event Horizon Out there for us to discuss. I rewatched it just a couple of nights ago, and yes, there is a major sci fi element to it, but it is some of the scares in it are terrifying. The imagery is horrifying. For those that don't know, the basic premise behind Event Horizon is that uh, there's been a Challenger like explosion of a deep, uh, deep space research team, like this vessel and supposed to have been like the biggest, um, like the most devastating event basically in like human history, scientific history, where it it takes, takes place in the year 2050, something 2047, 2047. And all of a sudden, after seven years of thinking that this ship has exploded on like a, like a deep space research mission out past Neptune, the rescue beacon is, is all of a sudden been picked back up. And the Sam Neil character who built the ship is now commissioned to go out with um, another like deep space rescue team to go and see what's happened. And so Lawrence Fishburne is the captain of the ship and he's great in it. Um, and what's happened basically is that the ship has which can create its own black hole has created a black hole to jump between time and space so that they can travel faster. The uh, crew members' uh, jackets and stuff like that. They because they were like the world would not be the the world is not going to be the same yeah. in twenty forty seven. So a lot of the patches from the different countries and stuff have been altered. Right, it just that was. Uh, Paul Anderson yeah and so Paul W.S. Anderson uh, directs this movie and he this guy's changed his name so many times because he was tired of getting qu- asked about the frogs falling from the sky in Magnolia and he's like no <laughs> different Paul Anderson um, and
3: then he it's changed- like why they make serial killers have their middle name too because they're just like think about all of you know just like the regular people that have like John well, so adds- Gacy is their yeah. name like we gotta right. like, you know
0: <laughs> well so then he adds his uh, he has two middle names so he adds uh, the W.S. to the middle and now everyone asks him about like hey how's your relationship with uh, the Wilson brothers and all this stuff they think he's Wes Anderson (laughs) Uh, so the poor guy just can't catch a break but he's married to Mila Jovovich so I don't feel too bad for him Uh, (laughs) okay Uh, the next one from the honorable mentions list that we're going to put up there is Jacob's Ladder Jacob's Ladder it has some of the most terrifying like I said earlier imagery I think that is captured during this decade Uh, we love you know kind of talking about Going back to Apocalypse Now, even though it was on the overrated one. The Casualties of War. <laughs> the Casualties of War. Uh, Brian De Palma episode. We love stuff involving the Vietnam War, it seems like. And so to deal with a character's PTSD from that time um, and to flesh it out into a horror film, I think it's just really, really cool. Uh, Tim Robbins, great actor. This uh, is a really creepy movie because of like almost like Audition, where people's heads are just like moving, um, you know, uncontrollably and you don't really know why. And so it's just one of those deals where, you know, you just like, have, you do a double take at a couple of people after watching this movie for a few days. Cause you're just like, what, what am I seeing? You know?
1: Well, when the car almost runs him over, Yeah. And it, like he sees that shaky face for the first time when I was watching, I was just like, what the fuck? What the yeah. fuck was that? <laughs> Seriously. And
3: I've been, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but um, am I wrong in thinking that the first time that there's like really something that makes him realize that something's wrong is when he's like in the dance floor in the club. scene? Yeah, because yeah. that really and like the girl
0: he's dancing with has a lizard
3: tail. Yeah, come like out. between her legs, yeah. and it's like, oh, Whew. I mean, and it's uh, it's not great effects. From what I remember, they don't hold up super well, but it's the idea that what you're seeing is so out of place and weird and sort of like it just disturbing. doesn't make sense. It's just disturbing. Very it's a really disturbing. disturbing. Movie. Yeah, it's a very and, disturbing movie. Uh, it, really introduces the concept of and not that this hadn't already been out there but kind of is a great version of it the unreliable narrator where you really don't know that you can trust the person who you're seeing something through you know exactly
0: um okay and then the last one that's gonna go up there not that these are ranked but number 15 we're gonna go back to the beginning of the decade and put misery up there
3: really deserves it
2: i absolutely it's um but too many iconic scenes in that. I mean, the log between the ankles with the sledgehammer,
3: hobbling, hobble-
2: hobbling, hobbling. Yeah. That's a
3: it's a procedure called hobbling. <laughs> uh,
2: it, yeah, just Kathy Bates as an over obsessive fan. I think has inspired a lot of other things going forward. I mean. You wouldn't have, you know, I'm not that this is a good movie, but Swim Fan. You would I ha-
3: was hoping you were about to say yeah. Swim Fan.
2: <laughs> uh, and then even uh, both versions of Obsession, of just someone being obsessed with someone and having that be a scary thing. I think this movie just kind of got that ball rolling. Kathy Bates, one of her best performances. James Con is just kind of James Con, but it's still great. He's, a, he's He does a great job in it of kind of like, just that roller coaster of emotions he goes through of kind of realizing the situation he's in and uh i remember watching this for the first time and being like just creeped out by middle-aged older white women and well and it's as always you re- should be
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's always really fun too to think you know stephen king made this movie obviously because he's probably had some crazy or he wrote the book right because yeah. he's probably had some oh, crazy yeah. fan interactions
3: actually uh he's been quoted saying that Uh, misery, the inspiration of it was about, it's basically a metaphor for his alcoholism, Mm. that it was something that, no matter what, like he felt like he could try to get away from it, and it would bring him back in, and he tried to get out and bring him back in. Like, um... Annie Wilkes, Wilkes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that she is like the personification of his alcoholism. That's what the movie's Very about. Interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. So a personal touch for sure. Yeah. And this
3: also, movie. let's not forget that uh, this is a three movie run for Rob Reiner, which is When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. Yeah,
2: yeah. and fantastic. like talk about Rob Reiner directing movies. Like, it blew me away when I was like, Rob Ryder did this? And then I looked at his directing career, and I was like, I had no idea he did all these other movies. And he's phenomenal as a director. He's a great actor.
3: Great actor, and also a director that is like, I'm gonna make sure that I have a classic movie that everybody's gonna like. Like, you don't like Misery? You probably love When Harry Met Sally. You don't Mm -hmm. like A Few Good Men? Guess what? You love that really bad, way later sequel to, uh um whatever uh rumor has it he directed that oh, the, yeah. the um the graduate it's a yeah. way later sequel yeah. to the graduate
2: well, and like those three <laughs> movies that you just referenced of rob reiner is even if you haven't seen them guarantee you can quote a line from each one of those you movies. you can't handle
3: the truth i'll have what she's having and uh uh mr man mr. Yeah. right man. there And <laughs> like man. immediately yeah. i just like boom Off didn't even dome. have to think yeah. about yeah. it yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so we have a pretty eclectic list here. Bloody good job, everyone. Bloody good.
3: you know what? We kind of felt underwhelmed by this decade. Maybe it's not as bad as we thought it was. Yeah, no, this (laughs) is a solid 15. I I think
0: it's indicative kind of of the times and also just the way we were brought up. So our 15 are Firewalk With Me, Interview with a Vampire, Scream, From Dusk Till Dawn, The Original Ring, The Sixth Sense, The Blair Witch Project, Audition, It, the miniseries, Silence of the Lambs, Bram Stokers, Dracula, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Event Horizon, Jacob's Ladder, and Misery. How we feel?
3: It looks great to me. Take a bow, everybody. I feel good about it.
0: Solid list. Go watch these
2: movies. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. Well, this is fantastic. Rachel, it's been a blast having you on. I hope you've had a lot of fun. I really did. Um, and like I said, I'm proud of us for just not turning this into a Twin Peaks pod.
3: Um, so maybe another time.
0: You, maybe another I was going to say, you're welcome back for that anytime. One of our mini Um Of course, thanks to Max and Grant, and most importantly, our listeners. We love hearing that you've watched some of these films based on our recommendations and um, the episodes that you've, you guys have been listening to. So let's keep those interactions going. Join us on the next episode as we prep for Y2K, learn how to use the, <laughs> the internet, and answer one of horror's greatest questions. Is Tamara home? <laughs> oh. I can't wait. Wow. Until then, we'll see you at the movies.
1: Stay s- swell and give them hell. Drink
0: movies and watch beer.
3: Oh, do I get to say something?
1: <laughs> Whatever you do. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie?
2: Look at me, Damien.
3: It's all for you.
1: What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes? It's alive. Oh, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive.